0: Hello and welcome to the Wing Travel podcast with me, James Hammond. Personally, I have been to 50 countries. I've met so many people on my travels that I want to bring them on this podcast and get their story on record. I have plenty of tips and stories to share with you as well. Are you a backpacker or a traveller or gap year student or simply someone who loves to travel? Then this is the podcast for you. Throughout the weeks and months, you'll get many guests and solo episodes where I try to cover all range of subjects within travel. This is a casual and informative travel podcast to inspire you to travel in the future. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Thanks for listening and supporting this. And I'll see you soon. Cheers, James. Hello and welcome to episode 67, Travelling with Sean Roberts in Thailand, Malaysia, Singapore and New Zealand. This week we'll talk about Robert's trip in 2012-13. Travelling in these countries on like a bit of a gap year from end of university to I guess coming back home. He's my good mate from Norwich. So we had a good chat here about our combined experiences in those countries when we met up for one night in Christchurch and also his epic achievement of winning the New Zealand FA Cup for those football fans out there. So it's a real good chat. It's good to catch up with my mate. He's uh, he's one of those mates I've got that has done travelling and he understands the, the trials and tribulations and the different types of feelings you have when you go travelling. So it's a real good episode for that. So I really look forward to you hearing that today. Keep an eye out this week. I've got a bit of an announcement on Wednesday I'll do like a real cheeky 5 10 minute episode to explain the next steps for this podcast so please keep an eye on that don't want to say too much yet but it's the next step for this podcast it's one part of a bigger announcement this year so it's the first part yeah just keep your eye out on Wednesday and I'll explain all then got back from the rockies in alberta and that was incredible some incredible scenery check out my social media for that i've also created a new instagram account just for my travels so, this will be like travel photos, travel reels, and travel updates. And you can follow me at James Hammond Travel for that. So, two Instagram accounts now. If you go to one of them, you'll see it. Thanks for listening. We've got an exciting new type of podcast coming starting next week, actually. This is not the announcement. So, I'm going to Spain to do the Camino, one of the trails in sort of near Santiago, northwest of Spain, just by Portugal. It's called the Finisterre Trail. And the idea here is that I'm going to do a little 5-10 minute daily upload of my day and explain where we walked, how long, what we saw, what we did, what we got up to, who we met, what we ate, all that sort of stuff and give you an idea of what it is to maybe podcast on the road live. Um, so yeah, that will be next Friday, I think we start the actual walk. So thanks for listening. Uh, keep in there. Thanks for spreading the word again. This is another record-breaking month. I keep going up. So thanks so much for me. Let's Smash it in June and keep that trajectory going up. Uh, I'd love to see it. Thanks for that, and I'll catch you soon. Cheers. Let's get into the episode. Hello, and welcome to the Winging It Travel podcast. And this week, I'm joined by my good buddy, Sean Roberts. I'll be calling him Robbo for this episode. And he has traveled to Thailand, Malaysia, Singapore, and New Zealand. He's an avid diver and has completed his paddy and advanced in Kotal. And adding to that, he has won the New Zealand equivalent of the FA Cup, a fantastic achievement for a group of lads who can't play football And we're going to discuss that and many more things about travel today. Robo, welcome to the show. How are you doing?
1: Yeah, not too bad. Cheers, Hammo. How are
0: you? Yep, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. So where where are you in a minute? What are you doing? Where are you based and what
1: are you up to? Uh, Currently based in in Norwich, back in my my hometown. been here now for, oh, blimey, what, nine years since I got back from travelling. Seems like, well, it's been a lot longer than than it feels, to be honest. (laughs) Um, And uh, recently bought a house, so, so settled down a little bit, working as a teacher um yeah. well and a builder yeah, yeah. building the holidays <laughs> um getting a little bit of extra cash and uh, unwinding by knocking down walls as you do yeah need um, that right? you need that for a teacher yeah you do yeah you need a little bit of stress relief um especially work where i am so i, uh, I teach in a in a school for um people excluded from mainstream school um so ah. it can be a little bit tough at times yeah um but you go with the flow and, and yeah everyone has their own little release i suppose and and mine is is rather than putting my feet up it, it's going out and working um and and yeah that, that's where i'm how i unwind okay
0: and for that school just a quick question about the school is that for people who maybe just are kind of like just have to do it right they've been kicked out they've got to go to school and complete the years there right and then they just go off on their own and do their own thing right is that how it works or is this people uh, who actually want to go back to school but can't
1: really go back to where they were a bit of a mix of everything really so we've got some who have been excluded from mainstream uh it might be for like a one-off event um or a, a fight or something um, or any other misdemeanors that the school have deemed is kind of unacceptable and they can't have it in their in their um, school so they they kick them out um, and they come to us with a view to going back to another mainstream school so we kind of hold them and, and try and find uh, another school for them in the local area um, some are pupils who've been kicked out because they just don't get school they don't like school they're, they're mm-hmm. an establishment um, and have got no aims of going back to, to a mainstream school so we kind of house them for a period of time until we can find an alternative provision for them which is kind of suited to their needs and what and what they want we we also have um looked after children from um yeah. kind of care homes and foster homes and that sort of thing mm-hmm. um who might have been moved into the county from another county for various reasons um and we kind of again we we hold them in, until we can find um either another mainstream school for them or a specialist school or in some cases they actually stay with us because we are the right fit for them um so i mean the, we are a short stay school by name um but we we tend to hold them now some of them we've had for a year or two oh, um, wow. okay. but, but the plan is really to keep them for no more than two terms um but with the whole covid thing and everything else recently mm. with our numbers have just stacked up a little bit and and yeah we we tend to to try to get them into mainstream but mainstream schools a little bit more reluctant to to take them so they kind of yeah. stay with us a little bit longer yeah, I mean, we are, by all, all accounts, we are a school and we're judged by the same standards as any other school by Ofsted. Um, and, yeah, have the same hoops to jump through that every other school does. And um, we're judged on the same results and everything else, um, just like they would be. Okay.
0: I've read an article the other day. I don't know if you agree with us, is that the school system in, in, as a whole, you know, mainstream and all that, needs a bit of an overhaul, right? Um, because there's some kids that are maybe not being developed maybe in the right way where they have a passion somewhere else. Let's call it art, for example. But, you know, art in school these days, when we were at school, it was like, art, what are you doing that for? Like, no one cares. But whereas, like, it doesn't maybe help the individual as much as more generic as it's always been. Do you think that needs a change or?
1: Uh, yeah. When I when I was working at mainstream school, I probably would have disagreed with you because I it was kind of a mainstream school, was a mainstream school, and that's kind of what you had to do working with the pupils that i work with now and have done for for eight years um i tend to think that you're right that the whole education system across england needs a complete overhaul i don't know what the answer is Mm. um but it doesn't seem to fit the profile of of the pupils um a mainstream school is kind of one one for all but like you say there are so many pupils that whether it's just not subject-based, I think mainstream schools have become too results-driven um, okay. and too much focus on the core result, uh, the core subjects, your maths and your Englishes and your science, and yeah, and trying to tweak those as best they can, and even PE to a certain extent is, is evolved. Um, I mean, I used to teach PE, and even then we just taught GCSE PE um, and sports leadership. Mm-hmm. Now you've got BTECs, you've got NVQs, you've got football scholarships, you've got coaching scholarships, which is brilliant, but. They don't have then the same capacity to do that in other subjects and mm. look at people that aren't academically minded, but want to get into even the building site, for example. They they don't skill those people from a young enough age to get them in. Yeah. And actually, if that pupil isn't engaged in math or English and science, and as a result, plays up a little bit, they get kicked out of the mainstream school. And then there's even less chance of them getting into the college course because on the college course yeah. so many people now want to get into construction that the entry requirements to get into a college course are higher than what they can achieve in short-stay schools or alternative provisions um so mm. those pupils who would thrive in a in a vocational setting don't get the opportunity to to get there because they're kind of almost forced out of it because they don't have enough grades to get onto that course
0: yeah it's exactly that i think as you described it there Exactly what I think. Like my my personal example would be, I just knew that I was never interested in academic right, like any subject apart from music because I play guitar on the side. But I knew that I just had to get through it just to get the grades. But I never revised for any exams. I just what my grades are exactly what I know right. I didn't like revise to get a better grade. The grades I've got are just purely on the day. That's what I knew. Kind of winged it a little bit and yep. luckily got enough to get through. But for some kids, you know, that's not you no. Know, it's not as easy, easy to do that. And on the other yeah. side, someone like Tishaw that we know, shout out to Tishaw, who's extremely intelligent. And it's not telling that, that too much, but he would, he <laughs> would find quiet. school, yeah, he would find school too easy. Like he would just breeze through it and just get all the high grades, but where he's probably not challenged
1: enough. Right? So there's the both ends of the spectrum, I think. Yeah, I mean, from where we are, where I am, the, the kids or the people do question a lot more of why are we doing this yeah and and i'm honest with them and say well i'll I'll simply be honest actually you're doing this because we've got to get you through an exam and kind of your start to life after school is based around your exam results yeah and your ability to get a job application or to get on a college course is based around your exam results and in an ideal world if you as a pupil knew what you wanted to be when you left school say you wanted to be a a plumber Mm. then you would go to plumber school yeah but And then the whole curriculum will be suited to what you need to be a plumber. But we can't do that. And there are, especially now, there are so many jobs out there that a mainstream school has to cater for that they have to be a general thing and that there's very little specificity in actually the pathway a pupil can take to a chosen career. If if you know what you want to be when you're at school you know you're not going to do these certain subjects you know that you, you've got no interest in music or art or geography you just want to become a plumber but you're not going to you still got to do those those subjects
0: yeah 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 it's exactly that isn't it yeah yeah And I, it's I, yeah i don't know how you get around it i mean it has no. to change i think but yeah like I like said earlier i
1: don't really know what the answer is no no idea what the answer is but <laughs> there does need to be a change um but then i think everything. It, it it won't happen because of money and, and actually the logistics of it in, in theory. It, it won't happen. Mm. Yeah,
0: that's a shame because there could be some untapped talent that we just don't tap out, right? To start. It's yeah. Just like it's kind yeah. of gone by the
1: wayside a little bit. Yeah. yeah, and if the pupils don't get the chance to experience something or even really engage themselves in something they want to do, they lose interest with it completely and, and will not then push themselves to become who they could be. Mm. So, it's yeah, it's, it's a bit... I don't know, it, it could go both ways, because again, if you if you send them to a specific school for a specific job, then actually that's then channeling them down a certain route, and if something goes wrong, an injury yeah. or something, or would an accident, a of mind. then they've got nothing to fall back on. Yeah. Yeah, so there's arguments both ways, um, but I think there does need to be, certainly in a mainstream environment, there needs to be a lot more vocational options available, a lot more hands-on stuff for the pupils, rather than just that academic drive, and if it would have judged on the the five A to C's in the core subjects yeah they're just they're just standard right <laughs> yeah yeah it C's. is yeah yeah generic <laughs> or oh, show my age there because actually it's not even A to C's now it's, it's oh. nine to four, four nine to fours <laughs> oh god oh but yeah, yeah. I just remember as numbers now isn't it oh, it hell. is numbers yeah yeah for okay. the last oh, four or five years now I think let's not carry on that because it kind of does
0: show our age a little bit I think it we'll does should, yes let's go to travel instead yeah <laughs> your big trip that you planned what year was that yeah 2013 or 12 right? Uh, I remember 2012 yeah I left 12. in 2012 yeah October was the 2012 I-, I left the UK. What was the idea what was your
1: thinking behind your big trip? Um, to be honest there was very little planning went into it at all if I'm honest okay um, I think the way it started was around about the April March April time in 2012 um, was having a bit of a tough time of it had um, mm-hmm. went through a bit of a not a mental breakdown, but was just kind of struggling to to see the reality of where things wanted to go. Yeah, thought I needed a bit of a change. And just through talking to one of my mates who lived in New Zealand at the time, he let slip that he was getting married the following year and um, <laughs> would be good to get me out there. So that kind of got the ball rolling. He'd emigrated, I think, seven or eight years previously to that. And I hadn't had much communication with him. And it just kind of all fell into place from there. So I decided I was going to see what I could do yeah um so i went and had a chat with my head teacher at school to see if i could get a year sabbatical was quite swiftly told no (laughs) so i kind of knew there and then i wasn't really valued where i was working brilliant um right rightfully wrongfully i I understand his reasons for it because actually if you employ somebody they don't and they love the job and are better than you then you've got to replace them when i come back um so so yes i was told no there so i then um I didn't really know even know where to start, so I think I put a post out on Facebook and it might even been you that, that directs me to SDA Travel. Okay, um, yeah, in the city centre, yeah. Um, so I kind of went in there and just said, Yeah, I'm looking to go to New Zealand, um, and I had no other plans at all at the time. And he it was him that suggested having a little stopover on the way and just said, Well, look, the options are you can fly into Bangkok and then from Bangkok you can fly onwards, or you can fly into X, Y, and Z and then get to New Zealand. He said, But actually, a lot of people tend to fly into Bangkok, uh, he said, and you can do a little bit of traveling in Thailand. You can travel through Malaysia and then we can book a flight out of Singapore six weeks later if you want. And I was like, yeah, all right, why not? <laughs> let's do it. It's a, Love that. Let's bite the bullet. Um, yeah. and, and kind of yeah, went in with the idea of just getting flights to New Zealand and probably an hour, hour and a half later, we're talking to, to a bloke in STA, um, <laughs> had flights to Thailand book. And then six weeks later, a flight out of Singapore into, um, into Christchurch in New Zealand in the conversation with him in there, it was kind of like how much planning do you want to do in it? And that's mm. when I kind of got the, the idea of actually being a, a traveler um, yeah. and thought, actually, I don't want to have too much planned. Mm. I want to kind of have that freedom of wake up one morning and, and go, oh, I'm going to go here or I'm going to go there. Um, yeah. So I only booked accommodation for the first four nights and, and that was it. So I had accommodation booked at um, D in Siam Square
0: Oh yeah, same as well. uh, I was in on Road, Love Yeah, yeah, you
1: and the other one. Yeah, yeah, great yeah. So I went into into uh, yeah into into Siam Square, and, and that was kind of it, really. Didn't do a great deal of planning at all until I got there. Well, didn't want to think about where I wanted to go. I had lots mm. of ideas of going to to Phuket and Krabi and, and all all of this and the other, um, but wanted to wanted to dive really, and and that was about it. And it wasn't so, until nearer the time that, that things like the full moon part and that even became a thing for
0: me yeah basically the same as me and my friend really we were planning the same sort of trip really at the same time in 2012 because um, we went in January 2013 but yeah, yeah we we just kind of had the idea of flying to Australia New Zealand and then Fiji but my mate was like oh now nah, let's just do Southeast Asia as well but like what, what you said so yeah we we arrived in Love D in Bangkok with no plan we just arrived yeah we done the same in four nights first yep um kind of checked out Bangkok and I guess you might have done the same and then it's really what we hear and what we read or maybe what the hostel staff might tell us to go to next really we have no plan and it was actually generally based on who we met they're like oh no you should go east to Vietnam okay we'll we'll do that then um so it's kind of like that
1: yeah and that's hindsight's a wonderful thing um and if I was going to plan it all over again having spoken to a lot of people traveling around Thailand I would have extended the southeast asia trip yeah um, and done laos cambodia and vietnam as part of that but being a complete novice and and not wanting to plan too much, I thought, actually, I'll just have a little taste of it. And then if need be, I can always go back and do it another day. And that is True. on my list of things to, to go back and do. Wasn't sure how I was going to get on traveling on my own. Um, oh, yeah, solo travel, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah i had plans previously. Before of that, I had planned. I had a friend who was planning to drive um, through the whole of South America. I was going to buy a Jeep, deal a Jeep, and, oh, wow. and fly into Florida. And then drive the whole way through um, South America. So that was my initial plan. Right. Um, but kind of got talked about that by my mother uh, at the time <laughs> right. didn't think it was safe and was concerned I wouldn't make it back in one piece <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. so, um, so yes yeah, so I kind of went the other side and, uh, and done, uh, done Asia instead so yes yeah, so being a solo um, a traveler it was kind of I wasn't sure how I'd get on with it so I'd yeah just done the done the six weeks did, um, your, um, did your friend do the uh, jeep ride through South America uh, no, I don't believe he did in the end. I oh, think he, he ended up oh. taking up kite surfing and
0: I believe oh, yeah. he actually moved to Canada as well. For Bangkok, did you like have anything ticked off there? Did you go and see like the Grand Palace or Kosan Road? Did you have a few nights out? Like, what was the. I, I think I probably there? spent a little
1: bit too long on Kosan Road. If I'm honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, kind of got um, a bit, not stuck on, but I'd done um, four days in Bangkok first. So a bit of a a weird story when I, I flew into into bangkok and uh, when we arrived at bangkok it must have been about 10 half 10 at night and mm-hmm. um they'd run out of um visa cards on the plane so it's the case of right okay well when you get you need to do this that, and the other and when we got into the airport it seemed like forever to find where we needed to go With very few people around directing anybody and there was a massive supply of visa cards anywhere in, in the whole airport and uh, next thing, this bloke comes over with a load of them and uh, i start filling mine out and this bloke, I think his name was James, came over next to me and said, oh, "Do you mind if I copy what you do?" And I said, "Yeah, yeah, that's fine." I started filling in my details, and um, and the hostel and the hotel name everything, or hostel name everything. And then I looked at his and went, uh, "Mate, you're not meant to copy my hostel as well." He <laughs> went, "No, no, I am going to Love D Siam Square as well." Oh, nice! <laughs> um, so completely randomly, yes. Yeah, so he um, and as it turned out, actually, we were in the same room when we got there. Oh, wow! Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of like an instant, an instant connection with somebody and uh yeah i think we finally got to probably about midnight we got into into there and we had a little chat with him and and uh, thomas uh i think it was a, a polish guy who was in our room as well we all kind of had a bit of a chat said yeah we'll go have a quiet beer in the in the little bar downstairs and then yeah. we'll um we'll get up early tomorrow and we'll go and see some sights so we sat down there having a having a bottle of heineken just about to finish that and just about to say right kind of let's got to bed there's a, a group of probably half a dozen people, a table or two behind us, and just went, right, who's coming then? We went, what? I said, yeah, you coming. We're going Kosan Road. <laughs> so, straight into uh, it. So, yeah, the early night ended at six o'clock in the morning, and <laughs> uh, <laughs> as it does. Um, and it was, yeah, kind of a, a straight in and it hit, it hit it hard from there. So we then, I think it was either that day or, or the day after, we went out and done a couple of little excursions on some of the palaces. didn't do the Grand Palace on the first time I was in Bangkok. Mm-hmm. Um and we then, me and James, uh, decided we were going to speak to the little reps in the, in the hostel mm-hmm. and booked a couple of trips out, um, went and saw a couple of nice waterfalls and um, over by the Burmese border, um, oh, of yeah. north of Bangkok, um, yeah. and came back down. So that was booked in after four days. We went and done that and, and came back. Um, and I had another couple of mates coming over who were then flying into Bangkok, I think eight or nine days after I got there. Yeah, so I, we went away for four or five days on these mini excursions. And then he came back and met another couple of boys there. And obviously, they were really new to Thailand and new to Bangkok. Like, well, where do we go? A couple of nights on Koh San Road. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. To the, to the extent where actually, I think uh, I think it was then that we actually, not Koh San, I can't remember the name of the road, but the one that runs parallel to Koh San Road, um, also a party strip. And we ended up getting a hostel in there. Um, oh you we stayed were, there. Oh wow. Yeah, literally stayed well, not even a stone stone alleyway yeah. from Kosan Road. Um <laughs> in a in a little hostel that kind of had well one air conditioning unit, I think three beds and not much else. Um <laughs> so we stayed there for I think four or five nights and again went out and saw a couple of the palaces and, and what have you. Yeah. Um and I think I'd done the Grand Palace then. Um and that's when I, I the three of us went off, got the tuk tuk there we should do and um turned up when we're in shorts they were like you can't come in couldn't quite work out why and they were because yeah. we didn't have trousers on so we had to wear the fancy trousers and and hide. i think i hired him and can what, what the damage was now um i went in and, and saw the grand palace and what have you um and we kind of pretty blown away by probably how religious it is mm. um not just the palaces it seems a bit but pretty naive i didn't really know what to expect of thailand and how and how religious a place it can be yeah until you go around and actually see the grandeur of some of these palaces and, and actually the, the time and effort that's gone into not only making them but maintaining them and, and and just yeah the whole buddhist community was just phenomenal
0: yeah did you find bangkok also for me it was an absolute culture shock um, when i arrived because i yeah like you I, d- I didn't really know what to expect but the heat the noise um, the, the little scams like, you know, you to get some trousers and buy them and the boats yep. as well. Like, did you have that same sort of feeling?
1: Uh, yeah. And just also, I, th- I think was, what also shocked me the most was how westernized parts of it were. Yeah. Um, yeah. So kind of like the shopping malls and, and there's parts of Thailand that could be any westernized city anywhere else in Europe by just the the shops that are there. And it could have been any mainstream city anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um and then you've obviously got the, like I say, the, the, the noise, the hustle and bustle, the street vendors. And I, I think it probably took me a week or two before I'd even plucked up the courage to eat from a street vendor. Oh, really? Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. Probably, probably because of before you go, you hear all the horror stories of food poisoning and everything else that you get from these. And, and you, you walk out at whether it's six o'clock in the morning or six o'clock in the afternoon, and the same street vendors are there serving the same food. And, and you think, mm. hang on, is it fresh? Is it whatever? <laughs> and once you try it, you, you just, you never go back. Um, absolutely yeah and and, or you never turn back sorry that you are just living off street food it's cheap it is it's a complete taste sensation and you can get i think from one place you can get a a rotary chicken from one and then you can get pancakes from another and and you can get whatever you like for for a fraction of the price from any restaurant you're going to go to and yeah the how the poor and the needy and maybe probably the disabled as well are really just kind of left to one side yeah when you came out of um, Lub d on Siam Square. You you kind of had to walk past twenty to thirty people living under a, a mm-hmm. um, kind of like a flyover, and and they were the the disabled children, the disabled people that that were kind of cast adrift from society. And you have to walk past them to get into the business district or or into wherever. And you, you just kind of look at the the millions of pounds that have been spent on the infrastructure in certain parts of it, and you kind of turn around and you see quite literally children eating out the streets was was a massive shock to the yeah sister. that's
0: that's huge isn't it i think that's yeah
1: asia not in a nutshell but
0: a lot of places in asia similar to india is the same thing where it's real hardcore but then it's the same here right if you go downtown in vancouver you're going to see on the east side of downtown like people living in tents on the streets and it really is quite a quite a strange phenomenon because i don't think back home we really see that much right in uk it's not as obvious maybe
1: um, yeah, not to that yeah. extent. Um, I mean, you, you do see you do see the homeless. Um, you do see the, the beggars, but to a certain extent, they're also they're looked after, they're supported. Those that want it. I mean, I've I've done a, a couple of shifts on the Salvation Army um, soup kitchen, where you actually you go and collect the food, or the food is delivered from from Waitrose's and M&S and all that stuff, which is just coming out of date, gets put in bin bags and it gets taken, and then the homeless can actually come to you and get the food, and yeah, and you can actually give them clothes there and then. So if they want it, there is the help there whereas certainly my experience of thailand was there if there is no there is none of that at all there's mm-hmm. no support for that sort of person whatsoever they are just kind of looked down upon and just say well get on with it, deal on with it. it yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's awful really isn't it
0: yeah yeah I think yeah the love deal that i stayed in i don't think on slim road is not really that i didn't really see that side in thailand so that wasn't actually the first time in bangkok that i saw that. It was actually further on the trip maybe somewhere like cambodia or or Vietnam maybe not Vietnam yeah. maybe Laos Cambodian Lao, yeah. more like that but we went back to well Emma went to Thailand for the first time uh, a few years ago when I took her there and Bangkok mate is even more uh, westernized and I couldn't believe I was shocked at how it is just like a normal city now there's no maybe apart from Kosan Road or maybe around that sort of area it really is just like any other city like it's actually got even more westernized I think
1: yeah, I've heard that from, it might be something i read that, that, yeah, they said that actually Bangkok now isn't really the place to go if you want to experience any kind of real form of Thailand. Mm. Um, now, you always know that if you're going to go to Bangkok, it's going to be a little bit more westernized than, than some of the other places, yeah. Chiang Mai's that, and the islands. Um, but yeah, they've just kind of said that, that it has just kind of become a, a western city in, mm-hmm. in Asia, which I think is is a real shame. Because as, as much as we, we laugh, joke about the Kosan roads of Bangkok, actually, there was still a little bit of kind of charm about Bangkok being yes. yeah. a, an, an Asian city. Now, it, it it's always going to be a little bit more well off than, than other places that we were going to visit. But it still had its quirks of being Bangkok and not just kind of like how the temples have become in Egypt. Um, mm, mm. There, there was always a little bit of Asian charm about it, with with the Western twist, and it is quite sad to, to hear that it has just become a, another
0: Western city. Yeah, I think it's always inevitable. I think, uh, unfortunately, yeah. and yeah, where where did you go after Bangkok before Koh Tao? We'd done your diving. Where else did you visit?
1: Um, we, I think we got quite fortunate because again, we, we didn't really know where we wanted to go. We wanted mm. to um, to go up to Chiang Mai. Yeah. I don't really know why. I don't know really where the idea came from but we said we were going to go north rather than anywhere else. So we started looking at all the little street vendors on Kosan Road and there or thereabouts, and thereabouts, and the prices fluctuated so much and seemed yeah. extortionate for what we kind of thought they would be that this little bloke overheard us talking and said, actually, you need to go to, to the I." I think he said the ITAT. I've done a little bit of research recently. I think it was just the TAT, the, the Thailand or the Tourist Authority of Thailand. And we went in there. You got taken into this little office, and it all seems quite official, and, and, and there, there are people in kind of – official uniform that that kind of booked it all for us and and promised us all these guarded trains and buses and whatever. And we booked the trip from uh, Bangkok on an overnight train uh, and buses up to Chiang Mai. Yeah, I think it was then one night in Chiang Mai – Three nights, kind of trekking through the through the jungle with the, oh, yeah. the Karen tribe, yeah, um, and kind of having a tribe leader taking you through the tribe, uh, through the jungle back yeah, to Chiang Mai, yeah, um, for one night, and then from there straight down to Suratani, okay, um, across to Pangyang for the full moon party. I think that was four nights, and put it put, booked it all in one in one package, okay, um, yeah, and, and we had no problems whatsoever, but just before before we've done this uh, the podcast i was doing a little bit of research to, to check in on the it 18 it seems like we kind of got quite lucky because on trip advice they kind of say to completely uh, stay away from that because it's one <laughs> massive con oh, right. um yeah um, and that basically that they sell themselves with this but actually it's all part of the thing and, and a bit like the the corrupt tuk-tuk drivers that they are all in on it and they kind of have yeah. people that, that will Come on to these things to to rob you and all sorts, but we had no issues whatsoever, uh, and the accommodation on the on the trains everything was was top notch. So I thought I was going to come on here and, and say a bit of Actually, if you're going to do it, book your things through the ITAT. But it turns out that actually we might have been one of the lucky ones. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we yeah we went up to into Chiang Mai, uh, yeah. night in Chiang Mai, where I had kind of my first real unfortunate incident of, oh, um, okay. of my 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 trip. Yeah. Um, I went with the two boys that I'd met or that came over from um, from Norfolk. They're a few years younger than me, so they were kind of all about getting mopeds and everything out. So I was like, yeah, right. Having a few warnings before I'd gone out to the, or left the UK saying, whatever you do, don't get a moped. You haven't got a license over here and you can get one over there and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and trouble. And you get anything, that'll be all right. What what can be done? Um, and to try and save a bit of money, we only got two between the three of us. Ah. And uh, being the older... Wiser, <laughs> I suppose, wiser not all <laughs> three of us. Well, yeah, wiser probably isn't the right word. Um, but um, I I would be the one that'd have a passenger on the back. Little did I know that riding a moped on its own is quite all right. Having mm. a million passengers, having never had one before, is a completely different experience. You're
0: absolutely right about that. And, yeah.
1: and if they don't know what they're doing, it can become quite disastrous. Bearing <laughs> yeah. in mind, I said that we were having one night in Chiang Mai and then we were going into the jungle it wasn't the ideal time to have a motorbike crash and, and yeah that's what we did very innocuous just um turning into a road we'd been up and seen some waterfalls um, north of chiang mai and uh, and came back around and everything was going absolutely fine having a whale of a time and then as i turned around this corner my passenger leant the wrong way and the back end spun out from underneath us and um ended up sliding along the tarmac probably over <laughs> only a couple of meters but had the weight of the um, the bike kind of on my foot, so there was very little damage to the bike, which meant we got our deposit and everything back. Oh, but it released. yeah, but, yeah, it meant that my my foot and lower shin was quite nastily gashed open. Oof. Um, and being a bit of a kind of a, an intrepid walker in my, in my times no a, a dab hand at first day eh? that would be right i've got a few patches i'll go to the pharmacy yeah. i'll buy a few patches i'll, I'll sort of that not a problem at all and then you spend four days in the jungle oh uh, no <laughs> oh god yeah okay so uh, so yeah so obviously being in the jungle is an awful lot of walking um and, it, and it's very hot and and the cut on my shin was just about where my sock needed to be so there's quite oh. a lot of irritation from that um and you've got the flies and the dirt and and because you're in the jungle cleanliness isn't kind of high on the priorities yeah and um and yeah so managed through all of that limped my way around by the time we'd got to code tau and went diving one of the divers had a look at it and said "Uh, i I think you probably need to get that um get that sorted out Mm. turns i ended up getting a a, quite a nasty infection in it when i did go to the pharmacist, she she felt my glands in my groin which can probably be described as golf balls at this point (laughs) um and kind of said you fool you fool what have you done oh god pretty urgently um so she pumped me full of antibiotics and and luckily within within three or four days the the infection had gone down and it started healing up i think people would do that you know like if i was in that same position of like i'll win
0: this i'll I'll patch it up and i'll i'll carry on i think as a backpacker at i don't know in your 20s i think you're gonna do that right i don't think yeah unless it's obviously a real bad incident i think you could probably patch it up and carry on
1: yeah, and I think that's the thing is there was there was no broken bones, um, and it and it looked just, it was it looked like a rather nasty kind of friction burn on my shin. Um, had a bit of a hole in my foot, but I thought actually my foot's going to be in a, in a boot the whole time. It's going to be fine. It's going to heal up. Mm. Um, normally it did eventually. But I think it was again trying to get antibiotics in the UK. You have to go to a doctor. You have to do this. Yes. You have to do that. If I'd have known how readily available they are over the counter, I think I probably would have gone and got some quite early on. Yeah. Um, maybe before it got into the jungle, thinking, hang on, I'm, I'm going into a quite dirty environment. I might need some antibiotics <laughs> to get through this. Yeah, maybe, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I might have done something about it. Um, but yeah, so that was that was kind of the one and only time. No, we did get bikes out again. So I didn't actually learn my lesson. I got bikes out again when we got to Koh But yeah, just I think that's probably the first bit of advice. If you are going to get a moped out, don't have a passenger unless you know what you're doing. Yeah, I'm the same. Um, I'm
0: the same. I had Emma in the back in uh, in Burma and it started to rain and the sandy dirt road kind of went to soft like pretty quickly and I like, went left right and left and I stacked it and yeah, yeah. the the bike kind of landed on my leg as well but I didn't I sort of got away with that actually thinking back um but that, that was the last time I was like right Emma you're getting your own bike we're not sharing again because it is a different dynamic on the bike
1: yes totally
0: actually I did do it again in Cook Islands didn't have a lesson as well there we go we're both the same <laughs> Uh, you just wing it, don't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course, you just wing it. Yeah, it, unfortunately, and this is the, the budget in me. I always think, Well, why get two bikes and get one? Like, it saves money, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
0: but I probably wouldn't do that again, just to especially on mopeds, just have your own. There's much, yeah. more, much more freedom with that.
1: Yeah, it's much more freedom, it's much more fun, and, and actually, it's a lot, an awful lot safer. Um, yeah, unless you know what you're doing, yeah. Which we aren't. Like, I, um, yeah, I, I didn't know what I was doing, and, and I paid the price <laughs> for it yeah <laughs> um, so uh, but yeah so going back to the the trek through the jungle that is something i would highly recommend i've i found that incredibly enlightening to actually spend time yeah. with again that they're, they're part of it because it's it's part of an excursion but it was kind of the most the most realistic experience i suppose that, that i came across um yeah quite authentic
0: yeah. i thought I, yeah, yeah, yeah authentic could, that's what i was looking for yeah very you can authentic. buy a beer don't get me wrong like yeah, the, yeah. We, bought, we bought beer on in the village but this village is still middle of nowhere it's in the middle of the jungle yeah nice. yeah it's not
1: like it's near anywhere no um and uh, there was i think it was one of the nights um i think the third night we we came to a little camp with a waterfall behind it and it was Id- Id- idyllic totally idyllic and then at nightfall um i can't remember the the, the tribe leader's name came and just started tapping people and this is a, a torch torch so i gave him torches and next you know we, we turn around and, he, and he's diving into this waterfall behind us and yeah. um he's catching frogs oh, um, right. and, and quite literally Catching them, knock them on the head, and put them in a pile. And uh, okay. a few minutes later, they are in kind of you know like the barbecue fold-over grill things, which you yeah, yeah, yeah chicken breast into. They're literally laying flat in that, and they're put <laughs> pushed in the coals in front of us. Oh, okay. Um, and and then they are they're, they're literally caught and cooked within a matter of minutes. And uh, and we're all sitting around the campfire eating frogs. And it is true they do taste like chicken. Oh. Um, <laughs>
0: much if you ever tried a frog? No. Uh yeah, I did actually. I tried it in Cambodia. Yeah, yeah, didn't yeah. like it. You didn't like it. No, I loved them. Yeah, it's something I can really get on board with. I don't think.
1: <laughs> no. No. Not I don't know it was a main meal, but I think it's just again, it's one of those experiences of actually being being there. And I think if you think <laughs> about it, it, it sounds a bit sadistic when you when you talk about it now, but you kind of get dragged into kind of the emotion of it all at the time.
0: Yeah, I think you, but what, what choice do you have? I mean, that's what they're eating, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then, I had yeah, scorpions spent-
0: on Kosan Road. Did you have them?
1: I did, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, I a big I, fan. <laughs> I could deal with that. But no, I yeah, wasn't a big fan. Um, okay. It's detectable than anything, I think. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, I'll get you on that. Yeah,
1: Yeah, but yeah, and so we then spent the rest of that evening just, with, they pulled out all the authentic um, musical instruments that have been clearly handmade and all sorts, and authentic is is the key word, and compared to some of the other excursions we've done, the, the tiger temples, the elephant temples, the yeah. elephant sanctuaries, etc. Um, I think at the time, you think they are an authentic experience as Mm. best it can be but it's only when you've kind of been there and you then reflect on it later you think actually there is no way that they are wild animals that you are exactly next to having a picture taken or that are performing tricks etc etc and all the alligator temples and all of that where where you go and it's only then that you kind of realize that by me paying money to do that I've kind of encouraged that behavior to happen um I do cringe but, when I
0: look back on that like I, I think yeah. we, did, we did go to an elephant and a tiger sanctuary yeah at the time like you know you obviously learning less at the time you do think oh yeah they're looking after them, and but then you actually look back going well hang on a minute. I was walking next to a tiger stroking it and then yes. I was on an elephant like you shouldn't be sitting on elephants really and washing it and I kind of then looking back are they free is it just for money and it does yeah. make me feel quite bad actually and I've done some research like the other month I could only find in Thailand this is I can only find one that had reasonable reviews where they say this is actually a proper sanctuary where it's not yeah. uh, caged up or for tourists, it is generally for um, kind of elephants who have kind of been injured or orphaned, orphaned or something like that, right? Yeah. But that, the one I, that, uh, that I went to probably wasn't
1: legit, should we say? Yeah, I, I think that's kind of my views on it all again, is that certainly the, the big the big animals, the, the elephants, the tigers, the alligators, the ones I certainly went to, is, there was one we went to where they you weren't when you were sitting on the elephants you were sitting on the bare back there was no harnesses no nothing you never saw any of them caged up and we did take them down to the river to swim with them and all that mm. sort of stuff okay and that felt less yes yeah. okay but but again it's only then when you look back and you think but again they weren't doing it by choice yeah um, exactly and, yeah. and again I, I think although it felt more authentic and and, and better for the animals in hindsight, I don't think any of them were. You feel quite shameful actually to, to look back and think actually I, yeah. I've paid a lot of money, paid money. Yeah. to to kind of encourage that behaviour. But again, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Uh, if I went mm. back again, then I would avoid those sorts of things completely and do a lot more of the authentic things. But that kind of experience, doesn't it? it? Yeah, 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 yeah it, it does.
0: Yeah. yeah, an age, I think, and maturing a little bit, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think, and I think only by experiencing it do you because you are sold it as an elephant sanctuary or a tiger sanctuary yeah. or, or is a buddhist temple that, that looks after the tigers or, or whatever and and they're very good salespeople that sell you this experience um and when you're there you get drawn into the oh wow yeah oh my god i'm, I'm, I'm i've got a tiger's head on my lap or i'm stroking yeah, a tiger i'm feeding a chicken what um, yeah, i'm eating my I, hands off <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. And, and you then it's only when you start walking away from you think actually i was just sat next to a tiger in any real life that tiger's now had probably a thousand people next to it all day and it's done nothing more but blink that's that's not real weirdly in our one we had there is a section where it's wild
0: this is what i thought this is the only thing i thought at the time i was like oh hang on a minute so we've seen tigers elephants we're playing with tigers in the pool you know bean bags and stuff like this and throwing them out and all that sort of stuff and like bags to get from the shop and plastic bags all this sort of stuff and i was like yeah they're kind of like ignoring you but playing with you it's a bit weird but they had a section where you couldn't obviously go into it because it's wild where yeah. you can go up the stairs and on this little balcony and look down it's a separate section where there are tigers and there are animals that are completely wild and i was thinking oh why why is there a difference here yeah and i was like ah oh, okay but i didn't really think much more of it carried on and then only in years later i kind of think back to that i think oh that's why right because yeah they're probably drugged
1: or i don't know yeah, yeah again i don't know for sure but it is, it's that whole, the reality of actually it, it's not normal for, for that sort of animal to behave in that sort of way. Um, mm. So there's got to be some sort of artificial control going on there that has caused
0: that to happen. Absolutely. After that, did you go straight down to Suratani? Or was there more yes. you, you explored?
1: No, we then went, because um, obviously I, I got caught up in Bangkok, a pretty little bit longer than I expected. Kind of about halfway through, and I knew I wanted to go and do my diving and had someone else I wanted to catch up to in um, on Koh Samui. So it's kind of getting towards... And the logistics of it, I wanted to get down. And, and it turned out that it kind of coincided with the full moon party. Yeah. So I think I arrived 15th of October. So the end of the 30th, whatever it was, of, was, was whenever the full moon was going to be on. So it kind of, it fitted in going from Chiang Mai straight down um, to pangyang and having a couple of nights in pangyang doing the full moon party. And then while I was there, because I had a friend in Ko Tao as well, it kind of then kind of forced my route a little bit of staying where I was rather than kind of branching east and west. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, yeah, so we went into into Yang, experienced the full moon party. Um, I How think was that? that's kind of surreal. I think is the term for it. Okay, um, very surreal is that kind of the whole island and anybody you talk to within a couple of days of it is all about full moon party, full moon party, full moon party.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And again. Naively, you get drawn into the whole thing of it and, and you just think you are a completely wild free spirit. Um, and it's only since you hear the shocking stories of the shooting two or three yeah. years or maybe four or five years ago now, whatever it was, um, when you realize quite actually how potentially vulnerable you are in that sort of a place. We took precautions of not taking anything valuable out with us and only taking money that we were prepared to lose in case anything did happen with the muggings yeah. and everything. But you, you kind of you take it for granted, like I said, how vulnerable it is. But it is, it's an incredible experience. Um, and, and again, I think we were incredibly lucky. And, and uh, uh, I kind of think I was incredibly lucky for, for different reasons. One that we went as a three down mm-hmm. there and, and you kind of get to the beach and just kind of look at the sheer scale of this thing and literally the whole beach is a a dance floor with every bar that backs onto it uh, Mm -hmm. and as far as you can see is people Um, and one of the first people we bumped into was um, was the people who had been on the jungle trek up in In Chiang Chiang Mai with yeah um so, uh, so yeah, we bumped into them and kind of they were all together. I mean, it's completely unplanned, and they were one of the first people we got to, and, and we're all there with the the neon paints down your arms and, and yeah, buying buckets. buckets and and God knows what you're drinking. <laughs> um, yeah, no one knows. No, you, you don't quite know what it is. <laughs> um, and again, in in, uh, in hindsight, if you, there must be something wrong with the alcohol because no human being can drink the amount that we drank that night and still stand. Um,
0: yeah, it's like two dollars um, or two pounds a bucket a bucket right and You get your yeah. you get your M150 and. A bit of whiskey and whatever you, you get with it, and mix it all together, and you have a, a few of those, and you're you yeah. kind of went on your way, aren't you?
1: Yeah. Again, you get caught in the whole emotion of it all. I say I was quite fortunate because at some, I mean, I found myself stranded at one point. I'd lost everybody that I, oh, yeah. that I knew and whatever, and was kind of halfway between where I'd come on the beach and the and I think it's, it's the mountain or something at one end where there's the um, the mushroom bar at the top and all sorts, mm-hmm. and um, found myself a little bit worse for wear, um, and and in the middle of this whole dance floor, found a sun lounger. So I thought, I'll just sit down for five minutes. Worst mistake I could make next then, I'm sound asleep. Um, and come around <laughs> a, a period of time, maybe I don't know whether it's five minutes, an hour, however long. Had a look around, thought, oh, brilliant. Yeah, fine, got away with that. Right, carry on. And uh, got up and went for a mose down the beach and caught up with, with my mates that later on. Yeah, then when the sun comes up. In fact, actually, that was, ironically, one of my best moments is because just before the sun came up, we decided we were going to go and watch the sunrise. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, And you ended up walking round the bay um, over a few rocks, what have you. And we managed to time it just about perfect. But as we sat down with a, with a beer, um, Howard managed to get there after the night of drinking. I'm not quite sure. Unreal. Um, but then sat and watched the sunrise in the middle of the ocean. And that was a very surreal experience. Mm. Probably the first ever proper sunrise I've seen. And to see it in somewhere that beautiful was amazing and yeah then then went back managed to get back to our, our apartment picked up one of the, the SUVs going back and um thought nothing more of it really until a few hours later after waking up I was just scrolling through Facebook and um and saw a picture of me asleep on a sun lounger with the five people we'd met in Bangkok on the first night around me. <laughs> so, um, so they'd obviously found me at some point passed out on the sun lounger yeah. And uh um, took a picture and um I didn't wake up obviously. Um no, I didn't actually see them at all that night, other than when they found me. Um but end, I did thing. I did bump into them later on in Tao and catch with a good or laugh and joke about it. But yeah, so it was and yeah, but I didn't lose anything, I had still had my, my money in my pocket and, and everything. So it was quite lucky that night.
0: Yeah, because I guess you would
1: have um, been a bit of a target there, I think. Easy target. Yeah, again, potentially. And behind yeah. that's a wonderful thing, but actually you do silly things when you're drunk. You do, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. I think the experience, you've got to do, I would do the full moon party um, again, but probably with a little bit more caution about me. And I probably wouldn't do it again as a lone traveler if I was on my own, mm. um, just because of the vulnerabilities of it all. But it's up to anyone else. Everyone has their own, their own views on it. And I, I think it's got a bit of a bad press recently, so I don't know if it's still going quite as strong as it is. Mm, or is it yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, um, Don't seem to hear so much about it now, but it was certainly you, a big thing at the time.
0: Do you think we're too old to do that now,
1: or do you think we'd still fit right in? I think anyone would fit in. Yes. Yeah. I think the Full Moon Party is one of those that it, it has got all ages, and, and every bar is playing different music, and, and I think you could get out of it what you want. I think if I went now, I'd go for a very different experience to actually just take in the atmosphere rather than going for the the party scene but i think it is an experience just to actually see how a bay can turn into such one massive nightclub effectively with yeah thousands of people there it was quite surreal i mean we actually went back uh, a day or two late before we left pang yang to check the beach out without it being a party scene and that, that kind of blew your mind even more because you don't quite realize quite how big the bay is when it's full of people yeah, when it, when it's empty, you can kind of get the idea of how vast that space is, um, mm. and to think that that is all just one kind of big dance floor is, again is is kind of an experience to to do the the nightlife and the quiet life of of the same place to see the difference.
0: Yeah, and would people like move bar to bar or just stay on one part of the the beach and that's it? Like,
1: what's the uh, practicalities of it? Well, it's kind of, a, it's a complete free-for-all. I think most people tend to just mosey up and down the beach. Um, yeah, yeah. The bars have all got kind of all back onto the beach and kind of each area, there's a, there's a few tables on the beach with kind of a little a gathering around each. And then there's a, the crowd lowers a little bit before you get to the next bar, but it is, you, you can kind of do what you like. There's there's kind of different music going on in each sort of one. So if, if, I suppose a bit like a, a hard equivalent of a festival over here, I, su- I suppose, mm, mm. that Some people will travel around a festival to go to the different bands and the different genres. And and on the beach, I suppose, it's kind of the same sort of thing, is that you can travel from from one to another. Some people will stay in one place for a long period of time. Other people will just kind of go their merry way and bounce along the beach. And and I kind of found myself bounce along the beach quite a lot and just going with the flow and trying to meet, I say meet people. I don't remember any of them that I met. (laughs) I know I had had a good night. Um, I think you do bump into
0: people, though, don't you? It's quite a regular thing in Southeast Asia, the same sort of route. So you will bump into people you've probably seen somewhere else
1: yeah and on the whole everyone is is pretty happy and and it is it's a good vibe right it is a good vibe yeah yeah i mean i certainly never got any i never felt at risk or anything when you're at the full moon parties again it's only when you look back and you think actually quite how potentially dangerous it could be let's talk about hotel now as you like great nights out met some great people and that was it but how was your experience there pretty similar to yours for me I i think the only way to describe it was paradise yeah. Um, I, it, it literally felt like I had it was everything I wanted Thailand to be it, it was quiet it was white beaches it was crystal clear seas it was the nice buzz of, of kind of little bars rather than pubs and that sort of thing and yeah really quite friendly people and, and a, a mix of of western people and and asian people all kind of getting on as one really happy sort of community with with the mix of accommodations from your from your, your huts on the beach to your not fancy hotels but it, it was decent. fancy at the time yeah, De- yeah. certainly decent yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah and it was just that kind of paradise vibe kind of from the minute i got there to the minute i left uh yeah, and same. that's kind of why i ended up kind of staying longer than i really wanted to i wanted to just kind of go and do my paddy um, yep. I had a, had a friend over there who um, who I knew from, from Norfolk who was actually working at Big Blue at the time.
0: Who was that? Ben Prentiss. That's it. Yeah, I met him. I gave him a... You did. You did a you USB had to stick for him. my
1: USB, yeah. I'll, I'll,
0: get, I'll get it from him. Yeah, I can sure when it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> was um, that, did I collect it from him and then gave it to New Zealand, right? You
2: did, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. yeah I, I kind of left in a hurry and left it in the uh, left it in the computer in the pharmacy. <laughs> so uh, so he went and rescued it for me and, and kept hold of it. And uh, then you said that you were there then coming over to New Zealand. So you... Uh, you picked it up for me. And when we reunited for the one night in Christchurch, you, you gave it back to me. Yeah, what one moment. Yeah, it was. Yeah, very <laughs> yeah. good moment. Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't
0: know Ben that well, but um, I think we he obviously recognised me. I think he's obviously a few years older than me. But yeah, he was working there still when I was in Kotao at the dive centre. Yes. Yeah, so did you do yours at Big Blue? No, there's two reasons. One, they wouldn't actually let me do it because I had grommets. Could not yes. say anything, right? But I had grommets when I was younger, which means yep. I had... Um, a couple of operations on my ears yeah, uh, because I had um, some problems with hearing and they couldn't ensure me because you obviously get the equalizing stuff with diving, yeah. right? So yeah. they didn't want to take the risks. So that was kind of one. And then two, I'm not brilliant in water anyway. So I kind of felt a relief when they told me no. Um, right. Okay. So what I did is, so m- my friend done what you did, done the paddy in advanced. Yep. Yeah. And then what I was doing, I mean, this sounds equally as idyllic, is I was just in the accommodation. It was really nice because you get that with the dive package. Yep. And I was just going to the beach every day, going to the, some of the bars down the beach. A few friends were there to chill out in the sun, in the water, a few cocktails, a few beers. and went on a few nights out when he was, uh, when Mike was like not diving. So yeah, pretty, pretty chill times.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, so what, what combination did you get thrown in as part of your dive then?
0: Yeah. It, I mean.
1: I think we got quite fortunate there.
0: Yeah. It wasn't a hotel, but it's almost like an apartment complex, I think. Almost. Yeah. It's it set further back. Um, almost at the end of the strip, like, uh, I, I don't know how to describe it, it's quite a long time ago, but when you went to the main strip and took a left, not a right, as if you come from the beach, it yeah. kind of runs out of road and run out, runs out of accommodation, really, you can carry on on the road, but it goes into, I guess, the jungle or the, the hills, right? But it was yeah. near there, and because Mike was doing it with someone else that we knew from Australia, we shared a room with three, yeah, I think it's like three beds in there, just like a okay. real nice apartment.
1: Yeah, so I was, I was very fortunate um that when um when we signed up i think there's a, me and another fella called sean signed up. we must have been the last last four or five people to do it and they'd actually run out of their uh, free accommodation because it was quite popular um so they ended up actually putting us up initially just for the night in um in their fully air-conditioned kind of want to say hotel but it's not it's just kind of an apartment but with, with a lovely balcony overlooking the beach with with sky tv and, and a powered wow. fridge and everything all thrown in it was because it was part of the packaging it wasn't our fault they gave it to us at the same rate as being in the in the bunks mm. um and um and they said it'll only be for one night we've got people moving out and blah 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 and we got to know our dive master really well richard and we had a good laugh and a joke with him and at the end of day one he actually came to our room and said look boys got some bad news for you there is uh, there's now space in the hostages but i've got some, got some good news for you uh he said if you promise me you're going to come on and do the advanced i'll um you can keep this apartment for as long as you dive with us at the same oh. price um so <laughs> that's a so win-win we kind of both both looked at each other and we'd actually worked out the finance if we'd paid the extra to stay in the room we were in it would have cost a lot more than doing the advanced oh wow so we, okay we, we, we were all in uh it said yeah fair enough oh, um, wow. so yeah yep. so, so we done the done the paddy and then booked the advanced in um and i ended up standing in on a couple of free dives as well oh, after did you that. okay yeah I, I think i kind of got fortunate in the fact that on our fourth and final dive as part of the paddy um we were lucky enough to actually swim with a whale shark that hadn't wow. been seen for for a couple of weeks in the area yeah. um, and we were so the end of our third dive so we came up from the third dive um we were then planning on moving somewhere else for the fourth dive and we'd just come up and um all the other boats around us had, had kind of loaded already and were setting off and then this little um Tora boat just noticed it kind of 20 meters off our off our bow and started screaming to our captain. Our captain said, right, we're not going anywhere. He said, we're going to stay here and and get Mm. you half an hour out of the water time here, and then you can go back down. So we did. And luckily, the shark stayed. Um, We were just circling the boat, basically. So yeah, swam with a a whale shark that, blimey, must have been seven or eight metres long. Um, (laughs) And and it's just, yeah, yeah, phenomenal. Um, And people pay thousands and thousands of pounds chasing trying to, to swim with whale sharks and never get the chance and yeah we've yeah. got it as part of our it's part of our paddy and that kind of was what i wanted that kind of gave me the buzz um and having already booked the advanced in i wanted to see another whale shark and never got the chance uh, i didn't oh, come really? back after that yeah. no nope. lucky uh, lucky boy though to
0: get go and see it though right yeah. Yeah. Lucky.
1: yeah, I've had a couple of friends I spoke to since who have have travelled the world to to Egypt and all sorts of places trying to swim with wild sharks. I've never had the opportunity to do it and it's still mm. on their bucket list. And I've kind of done it without really realising that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> um so uh, so yeah, very fortunate in that sense. And then yeah, after after the ten days in in uh, Koh Tao had a, a flying visit in um, Koh Samui just to catch up with with the, the dad of, of one of my friends from back here. Uh, he, he had an apartment out there. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of a little bit more chilled after the, yeah. the party time of, of Koh Tao. It was kind of like a little bit of a, let's just kind of get your head together a little bit and, and kind of enjoy a little bit of the culture of, of Samui. And then, yeah, from Samui, we then went down to, um, to Malaysia. I think the main
0: part I want to go into next is actually New Zealand, but we'll touch on yep. Malaysia and Singapore very quickly. Um, yeah, no, before... it is,
1: it, to be honest, I didn't do a great deal in Malaysia or Singapore. I yeah, kind yeah, of burned yeah, myself yeah. out.
0: We can, we can um, touch on that. Quick question about the diving before we move on. Yes. Um, any incidents or was it quite a plain sailing um, course that you passed? Like No, no, no trouble with, like, I don't know, running out of oxygen or no,
1: uh, equalising? anything like that. No. Nope, no No issues whatsoever. A little bit discomfort the first time you go down with the, with the equalising of the ears, but I suppose it's no different if you swim to a deep swimming pool and you kind of get that yeah. pressure in your ears and you can just pop your ears yourself. Uh, and as long as you can do that, then then actually it, th- there's no problems whatsoever. Um, mm-hmm. One day I forgot my wetsuits; the water was a little bit cold, uh, and I think that was probably actually the the biggest hiccup of the of the of the dive. Oh wow, pretty smooth. Um, yeah, yeah, very smooth. And of all the people that that I dived with as well, it kind of all seemed to go without any glitches whatsoever. Um, there, there was one of the guys who worked at um, Big Blue three or four days of me being there. He'd, um, he'd actually just recently come out of hospital, having had the bends. Um, oh, okay. And uh, and was even then, and he'd, he'd had it probably four or five days previous to me even getting there. So probably a week before I saw him, uh, and he yeah. still looked completely out of it. Yeah, uh, just a, a big warning to anybody really and that's what he was kind of saying is that he kind of shook it all for granted um yeah and yeah and and, and caught the bends and it, it nearly killed him at the end of the day um oh. so so yeah again I've I've got no no bad not bad word to say about the place that the whole thing was was pretty surreal. In in fact the, the one thing I did want to say about coattown town was my pet dog which which sounds a little bit strange. <laughs> yeah oh um, yeah we I mean, need to go to this do we yeah we yeah. briefly spoke about it before we, before yeah. we went live and <laughs> um we um, one of the last nights before before we left, um, Ko Tao, me and uh, the, the two guys who had met from England, who were dead when when we left Pangyang, they actually went to Samui to do their diving um, okay. or had accommodation in Samui. And we're going to um, get jet boated over every morning to do their diving um, on Ko Tao. and I kind of said that's a bit stupid. So I think after me doing my paddy, they then came over to Kotau and and start doing their diving there which is why i ended up staying to do my free dives that was it um but anyway, they were they were on hotel with me and uh, we decided we we're going to go to this um bar it's about an hour away mm. and um and the, the guys in big blue had said "Ah, oh, don't worry about getting anything you can walk it's quite a nice little walk this time right you'll be fine and uh, and as we set off from um from big blue um not long after after that there was um you know it's this little dog started following us a little kind of aged black labrador i, I suppose we'd had a group of about seven or eight of us by this point and um so we, we stopped and had a little chat to the dog as you do being, <laughs> being polite to it yeah. and then carried on walking and realized that the dog was following us and we've been going for 20 minutes half an hour and the dog was still following us and we all had a laughter she said how funny it'd be if we managed to take this dog all the way to the to the bar <laughs> with us well lo and behold an hour later having stopped at a, a bar or two on the way this dog was still with us <laughs> And um, we went into this bar. I have no idea what it's called or where it was, but uh, as we discussed earlier, it's kind of like almost carved out of a a rock. Yeah, I think I did go there randomly. I
0: think it was last night there. Yeah. Uh, It was somewhere.
1: uh, Yeah, somewhere up in the hills. And and, and, yeah, no idea. Like I said, no idea what it was called or whatever. Um, But that is my only memory, is the dog being there at the bar with us. Um, And I've got a couple of pictures of me with a drink cuddling this dog in in this bar. Um and it became a bit of a, a bit of a celebrity with the bar when we started telling the story to all the people around us and, and the dog got lots of attention and, and oh. seemed as happy as Larry. Um but I never did see it again after that. So um bit of sweet Yeah, potentially bit of sweet, but I'm I'm sure he's an old stager. He, he's been there before he knew what Yeah he's done doing. it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, probably on the payroll for all I know. <laughs> He's probably part yeah. of the uh, scam getting people up yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Everything <laughs> else seems to be corrupt and scammed over there. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, that's that's quite a funny story. And what yeah. about random random question before we move to Malaysia, Singapore, and in, in New Zealand? Is the food yeah. any favourite dishes from Thailand? It's known for its food.
1: For me, there was a guy um, just outside of the surf shop in in Kota who was doing kind of fried pancakes with bananas and nutellas uh, and that kind of became a a go-to but it's also the rotis the the breads they would do um the hand-stretched breads and and their curries and the the tandoor chickens so when i didn't once i'd got used to eating the the street food i I kind of tried to eat something different every time oh Um, nice Yeah, yeah and just it got to the stage where it kind of became more of a a challenge to try and find something new um yeah and and just the curries the curries were amazing yeah um, unreal the pad the pad thai's you order a pad thai from a from a restaurant over here and it tastes nothing like the pad Thai you yeah, get over there exactly um and and yeah and it's just if, if you're going to do it you've got to you've got to experience the food um and i feel again i feel a little bit bad that it took me so long to really embrace myself in in the, the thai cuisine but once i did yeah I'd, wouldn't look back fantastic would recommend any of it but yeah the the tender chickens for the street vendors and the and the rotis were were top, were top draw yeah thailand as a whole unbelievable country for food
0: oh yeah yeah, yeah. phenomenal would love to go back again and, and see more of it yeah totally agree and then you pop down to sort of malaysia singapore i guess it's like towards the end of your asia leg um yes where did you dip into there
1: malaysia i kind of spent most of my time in malaysia on a little island called Langkawi, oh, nice. Um, yeah. tax-free yeah and ended up at a place called i think recommended to me by a couple of people i'd met in in thailand called zachary's guest house kind of i think i stayed there for seven or eight days um because he kind of became a bit of a tour guide and was taking us out to go to go fishing and was taking us around all of the the island and and it kind of became a little bit of a small family that it, it seemed to be the people that were stay there, stayed there for a long time. Mm. Um, and it kind of became like a, almost like a working network. There was, there was a guy who was getting up at 11 o'clock every night and then working all the way through the night. Um, oh, wow. a, bloke, okay. a Russian bloke called Boris, funny enough, and was, was, was working all night. And it, it, it just became a bit of a family atmosphere. And I kind of got, again, got kind of drawn into the less of the traveler, the more of the holiday maker side of it. Um, and just, and just kind of enjoying a little bit of, it wasn't luxury because it, it wasn't, expense for anything but it was just having a little bit of kind of stability for a while after the yeah a bit down the hustle maybe. and bustle just a little bit of downtime i suppose mm. um and then um that we'll get on to it in a minute that caused a, a few problems um later on in my exit from malaysia but from there i then went down to uh to kl uh um, yeah. just un- basically lankari in kl in the reggae mansion uh, in oh KL. yeah you say that, did you yeah i did yeah yeah uh, I I some um, Um,
0: interesting nights out there
1: yeah yeah i think interesting is the word um (laughs) but yeah i I kind of tried to do a little bit of culture when i was in um in kl and so i wanted to see patronus towers in the kl tower yeah um so rather than queuing to get up the the patronus tower again somebody tipped me off said you're you're probably better off actually going up the kl tower Mm. and then getting pictures of the patronus towers from there because then you actually get a picture of the towers you want to see rather than the other way around um, so never went, actually went under Patronus Towers, but spent a lot of time walking around the gardens and, and that sort of thing and just kind of chilling out before getting to New Zealand. I, I think money was a little bit tighter at that time as well. Um, okay. so I didn't want to spend everything before I got to New Zealand um, yeah. because kind of that was the the big trip. But I'd kind of not set a budget, but had kind of had a, a figure that I didn't really want to spend more than. That was kind of it for Malaysia. I feel a little bit disappointed. I didn't see more of it, but I think that was, I, I kind of hit Thailand quite hard. Um, yeah, it sounds like I wanted to just kind of chill out a little bit and and just like say unwind a little bit before I, I got to New Zealand. And what was the problem at the border? Well, Langkawi is obviously a tax-free island, so um, I yeah. enjoyed a, a few tax-free items, and bought myself some cigarettes and some and some spirits, and consumed all the spirits before I went. But had um, I think four, I think it was only four packets of cigarettes left over. It Cost probably about fifty per packet to buy. I got the last train out of. Um, KL at yep. half 10 at night, whatever it was, got a rather nice coach and got to the, the border with Singapore, um, got woken up by somebody poking me saying, get off, get off, get off, go through Visa. Mm-hmm. So in a half kind of slumbered um, state, you get off, you grab your bag, you you walk past it, kind of a bit like an airport. You get all the, the warning yep. signs of have you got this, have you got that, blah, blah, blah. and all I saw was 10,000 pounds and then cigarettes, ammunitions, lick. and I thought, no, no way I've got 10,000 pounds worth of cigarettes on me, I'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> Because it's about <laughs> one o'clock in the morning at this point. Then you put your bag on this kind of airport scanner thing, and it takes you to x-rays that you go through. You get your passport back the other side. And I went to pick my bag up, and suddenly I get a tap on the shoulder. And, and is this yours? And he points my bag. Yeah, yeah, of course it is, yeah. And I expected he was going to give it to me. Next thing I know, look behind me, there's two blokes with rather large guns pointing at me. Um, no. And I'm thinking, oh, Christ, what's happened here? What have I done? Yeah. Um, still, Penny's not dropped or anything. And you hear the, follow <laughs> me um and you go into this tiny little office one bloke with a gun one side pointing at you one bloke with a gun the other side pointing at you a very little desk and then a, a bloke in rather official looking gear the other side of this desk yeah and uh just pointing at the sign of the wall and says read that and then i read it coming what it said something really non-trivial whatsoever yeah he said oh so you can read then yeah yeah, can, <laughs> yeah. he said so why have you not read any one of the 10 signs you've walked by since you've got off your bus saying, have you got cigarettes? Have you got alcohol? Have you got this? You need to mm. declare it. And I went, oh, I'm sorry. I only saw the 10000 and thought it was £10,000 worth of this. And he said, no, you need to declare all of this. And and I'm thinking, no, oh, he's, he's going to let me with the warning here. And then it starts getting really quite serious of, actually, this is an arrestable offence. Oh. And I think, Christ, there's five packs of cigarettes chill out a little bit mate i'm not not trying to smuggle in a a shipment load of of tobacco or anything it's five packets of of the cheapest cigarettes i could find i'm not gonna lie um and and i kind of tried to look at the blokes next to me and they're they're not they're not having any of it they are the guns are about two inches from from my face and i'm thinking geez this this could get quite serious right what do i need to do here to get out of this situation and uh, after about half an hour of him kind of ripping me a new one he says that basically if i'd have been caught on the streets with a packet of those two quids, it could have been a, the equivalent of a five hundred pound fine per pack. Oh um, so it's looking at kind of like a two thousand pound fine. And he's oh, like, yeah. So you need you need to pay your fine now. And I'm thinking, Christ, I haven't got two thousand pounds. I I can't afford that. I'm, geez, what, have i jeez, "Geez, take me now or whatever. Yeah. And um, but yeah, it turned out I, I think I had to pay about worked out about 36 quid. uh um, oh, okay, yeah. So it wasn't anything too major. Uh, so that's yeah, got held up in there for about an hour. And then you come out of the terminal at the top there, and, and he kind of breathe a sigh of relief and just kind of bring yourself together again and you've got the long stairs down to where the buses pick you up yeah and it was only halfway down these stairs i suddenly thought hang on i've been in there for a long time there's no way my bus has waited and i got the last bus out of kl oh right what am i going to do i look at my phone and um i've got about four percent battery left (laughs) um so i'm thinking geez oh my god and you then get that whole idea of being a lone traveler and I, I, i felt lonely probably for the one of the the first times on the trip really mm. um and i kind of got down to the bottom and had a look up and down and none of my buses were there and i just kind of sat there and I'm looking around not a single person speaks english i can't understand a word they're saying and i kind of just slumped myself and you look out the end of the bus station and and it's pitch black as far as you can see not not a single piece of light mm. not even a think oh well I'll, I'll walk to that town and i'll find somewhere there or whatever it is a kind of a, a single road out of there no idea where you're going no map to follow on my phone or anything yeah i'm just gonna park my bum here for the time being and after about an hour of being sitting there the bloke had actually held me at gunpoint came down and poked me and said you still here and i was like yeah my, my bus it was the last bus and nothing and he said there'll be one in a minute there'll be one in a minute
0: okay sat there
1: for about another half an hour yeah. it seemed like long but he came back down again and uh poked me again he said you still here i said yeah, no, no bus till like seven o'clock the next morning. It was, was what I looked down the timetable before I left. Yeah. So he literally says, "Come with me, come with me," and puts me on a on a on a bus. Oh, um, the most luxury bus I've ever seen. Fully air conditioned, fully reclined. <laughs> a bit yeah. like being in first class. Yeah, yeah. And so I get comfy. I recline the seats just about to fall asleep. We've only been on the bus five minutes, and the driver stops. He says, "Right, there you go. You'll stop." Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. So in hindsight, it was probably only half a mile a mile down the road yeah, yeah. Uh, and i probably could have walked it um yeah. but yeah that was it kicked off about four or five o'clock in the morning uh, in the middle of nowhere in singapore no idea where i'm going no phone signal and that kind of set the tone for my two days in singapore i was a little bit down a little bit dejected yeah um and i think i kind of i went and got a coffee and, and, a, and a bite to eat and and waited for for a hostel to open up and went and put my head down for a few hours and it's about half an hour walk into the kind of the, the main hub of singapore mm. where the um the restaurant in the, or the boat restaurant is and kind of i just decided i was not going to do anything heavy i was just going to walk into town have a have a moji around in the town um and then stroll back so that was kind of my own experience of singapore i spent quite a lot of time in the bay a few hours yeah. in there just, just taking the sights in a little bit just mm-hmm. looking at the the grandeur of the of the skyscrapers what have you and then kind of went and retreated back to my hostel and, and kind of closed my eyes until my flight to new zealand was ready
0: expensive place as well isn't it like especially oh if incredibly you come from something like thailand it's a yeah. complete change in in money so the
1: budget yeah. doesn't help either for that no 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 so that was yeah a bit of a, a bit of a sour end i suppose yeah unfortunately isn't it yeah, yeah. Um, but again it, it's a learning curve experience a um, story I it's experience yeah, yeah i know you don't like the word learning curve it's an experience i think is the is the word but yeah a story to tell um the only time i've been held at gunpoint um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and i survived so uh, so yeah and always make sure you follow the duty laws
0: Yeah. I definitely got caught, not duty wise. I got caught with signage and Lau, and I got held at uh, well, technically gunpoint. But he had a gun, but he wasn't pointing it at me. But yeah, that's purely because of signage, and I didn't read it. So we've all been there, I think. Yeah, definitely. And then New Zealand. So did you have a work visa for New Zealand, or did you uh, yes, just... I, did. I did. Yes, yes. You yes. flew into yeah. Christchurch. Yeah, and flew to Christchurch. No traveling, just straight into
1: maybe finding a job, or what was the plan? Uh, Well, I I knew I had a a friend who lived who lived there, so he actually um, he was due to pick me up from the airport. But pretty poor planning his his fiance gave birth the day that I arrived. Um, (laughs) And he said to pick you up? Unbelievable! No, he didn't. No, I can't believe it. So he (gasps) said, "Come and pick me up." Um, so his brother came and picked me up and, uh, and my first trip was to the hospital to, to meet Matt and his fiancee Bex, who the first time I met her, she was in, in a hospital bed, um, <laughs> half naked. Um, so that was my first experience of meeting her, yeah. um, uh, with, with their newborn that was oh, no more than a, a few hours old. And then, yeah, so I'd, uh, had actually arranged to, to stay with Matt for the first few weeks and actually as it happened, he had a, um, kind of a house and renovation company, so the plan was to work work for him. So kind of went in and, and done that to start with. Total novice, but went in and was kind of a painter and decorator. Obviously, it was around the time not long after the um, the major earthquake they had, which kind mm. of ripped the core out of Christchurch. Yeah. And yeah, so there's lots of work for him. So they were basically buying up their various categories of houses that were, were listed. I can't remember how they're graded now, but there were some that were just kind of structural write-offs and had to be knocked down and could never be built on again. Yep. Some were in the red zone, which if you wanted to, you could pick the houses up on the back of a lorry and move them somewhere else and rebuild them because um, they're all built on piles over there rather than concrete foundations. Or there was the area kind of just out of the red zone where there was a little bit of structural damage, which you could literally... Plaster over the cracks, mm. and then decorate them and sell them on. So that's kind of what he was doing. He was buying them up relatively cheap, wow. Plastering up cracks around windows and and that whatever, ripping out baths and ripping out kitchens, putting them all in, giving them a complete decoration from top to toe. A bit of garden landscaping and, and then um, then pinging them on. So that was kind of where I, I got the the initial taste of, of building, I suppose as well. Dabbing behind mm. hand at a little bit of all that sort of stuff. So that was yeah, kind of how I how I worked to start with. And again, it was quite fortunate. His his fiance's family owned a, owned a vineyard, so nice. there wasn't work. Really on the in the houses i was off um working the vineyards as well so kind of was prepared to do anything to earn a bit of cash yeah and uh and yeah basically enough to to save up to go and do a bit more traveling really
0: and did you kind of like move out into your own place in christchurch for for a while or did you just stay in like somewhere that he knew or with, with him <sighs> kind of a bit of sofa
1: surfing really oh yeah um that um uh, yeah so I, I stayed with him i can't remember how long it was first time round. maybe a month or two and then he got to put where he was moving house so he was moving out to, to somewhere else mm. and then actually we kind of discussed that if i wanted to earn more money the best thing to do was to actually live on site so oh, okay. literally living on site i bought myself a sleeping bag and a, and a camp mat and was was kind of living in at the time would kind of not ripped the windows out but ripped all the window surrounds out so i could actually see outside and and had my own little setup where i had a had a sleeping bag and about four or five dust sheets as my blankets yeah uh, he lent me a PS2 and a, and a TV, and I was kind of getting up and working from seven o'clock in the morning till eleven o'clock at night. Wow! Watching a, a DVD, I went and I bought myself a um, it wasn't blockbuster, but say but a blockbuster film card, and was going yeah. and getting five, I think five movies for five dollars, um, once a week, and was kind of watching a film at night, and and that was that, and then I'd, I'd go to bed and, and wake up and, and work. So I was working. I think I think my ninety-four hours, I think, was the most I worked one week. Cranky. Of, of of yeah, of just just. Basically, try to earn as much money as I could, as quick as I could, to be able to then pay for... or to buy a car was, was really the first aim. Yeah. Um, and to then then be able to go out and, and travel and, and see as much of New Zealand as I could in the year that I had. Yeah. So, how long did you do that for, the Christchurch thing,
0: for um, living and working and saving money?
1: For pretty much, pretty much the whole year. Um, oh, okay. With, right. With... I went, I had, I think, two weeks over Christmas and New Year. I had, I had some friends living up in Auckland. So I went up and um, stayed with them for a couple of weeks over Christmas and New Year. Yeah. Um, and went up with them. We got a camper van out, went up into the Bay of Islands and spent New Year in the Bay of Islands. Nice. Nice um, area, that. Yeah, stunning. yeah. yeah up in Paella, Um Stayed at a little olive grove cool, with dream. fireworks over the cove. And it, oh, it was, it was amazing. They had friends who had a batch over on the west coast of the Bay of Islands. We, we kind of stayed in that for a couple of days as well and had, um, in fact, we had Christmas Day in the batch on the west coast up there. Yeah. Um, it was stunning. Um, so he had a couple of weeks up in the in Auckland, then back down and, and kind of worked in Christchurch, uh, then moved in with one of the guys I started playing football with, but yeah. lived with him for probably two or three months, maybe two months, yeah. um, three months, something like that, and then moved in with um, another one of my, my coaches for, for a couple of months. And then moved in with Matt's parents last month. I think was it? Did I say with them? Uh, yeah, I think it was last mm. well, certainly last few weeks of the of the trip. So actually, my accommodation costs were kind of kept really low. Yeah, um, it was that. kind of like yeah. yeah, was was kind of doing a bit around around the house, doing a bit of cooking and that sort of stuff to to kind of pay him away. But but got quite fortunate in that sense that didn't really have much accommodation to 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 pay out um and was incredibly well looked after um, mm. all the people that, that did put me up in New Zealand and will be incredibly thankful and grateful to them but but yeah it was just build up a network of, of friends and that really and that, that looked after you
0: and did you um, go and see other places in New Zealand like as part of the traveling part
1: yeah so I did I think my biggest trip I the guys who I knew in New Zealand living in Auckland they'd been in New Zealand for a year or two and were then leaving early on in the New Year, so a couple of months after I'd been there, okay. um, and we're looking to sell their car. Yeah, So I said, well, I'll, I'll buy it off you. Um, yeah. so, um, so I actually flew up to Auckland and bought the car off them, and then from Auckland, it coincided with England playing cricket in That's New Zealand. Right. So yeah, new York, I, I kind rough, of followed yeah. them around the whole of the North Island, I think i did done about 3,000 kilometres driving around oh, the nice. Island.
0: That's awesome. Yeah.
1: yeah, so I kind of went from from Auckland, I drove down to the Coromandel, and then can't and that for me i think it's probably my highlight um was the drive up the coromandel oh it's Um, unreal drive once you get off the road onto the dirt track and you just drive for 40 50 60 kilometers on the dirt track and i literally drove to the end of the road and there's a there's a campsite a dock site at the end and i and i stayed the dock site i think for I think three three dollars a night yeah um and i think that's my biggest discovery was was the dock site the department of conservation yeah quite cheap Um, aren't they incredibly cheap that, or free i mean sometimes yeah some some are free and um, the free ones literally are just a, a green field with no amenities but i think for for three bucks um you, you'd get one with with toilets i think for five bucks there'd be be shower facilities as well mm. um and in most of them you could have open fires and all sorts and in fact in, in one of them just west of napier uh, i drove to the end of the road there and actually there was one in there that actually had hot tubs built into the um <laughs> into the river yeah. so there was a geothermal river and they'd actually literally built hot tubs and the hot water flowed in and made them hot tubs and i was the only one there so i had two hot tubs to myself in the middle of this kind of like mountain drop i suppose you went down a few steps and climbed into them and, and you had the river 100 foot below you um yeah. with a little stream feeding in it and it was idyllic yeah um but yes yeah, so i drove to coromandel then from there i think i went to napier napier mm-hmm. down to um wellington couple of nights in wellington um, from Wellington and then I think I went back up to Hamilton and then Hamilton I think back to Napier uh, and then from Napier I kind of came down the, the east coast and to Cape Palliser and drove oh, to the nice. end of the road again yeah, um, yeah. so it's kind of trying to see it as much as I could I think all I didn't really see of the North Island was kind of the very north of the Bay of Islands Palmerston North kind of just north of Wellington oh yeah really you need to go there. To that. no yeah. and that's kind of what I'd been told <laughs> yeah um, and, uh, and yeah, it's just just the freedom. Um, having your car, Once I would got the car, it opened up a whole new aspect of the traveling. It was that total freedom and being on my own in, in a car. I had my tent, had my, my sleeping bag, had a stove, and that was kind of all we needed. All my freedom? Um, oh, it was all my freedom. And, and that's kind of, for me, what lone traveling was about, was that total freedom. Not having anyone to answer to, nowhere to be other than maybe five days later, no, I had to be in Napier to watch a cricket game. Yeah, and how I got there and when I got there and where I went in between was completely utterly free. That is a dream. Yeah, <laughs> in yeah. my eyes, anyway. Yeah, and and that's 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 what I I always envisage all of travelling would be. But there's along the way there's there's the emotions you battle with and and all of the other restrictions you put on yourself before before you kind of allow that freedom to happen. Mm, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. I think
0: the car is essential. New Zealand yes. driving New Zealand in the car. North and South Island, it's a must-do. Yeah, There's no, way I can, no other way I can describe it.
1: No, no. Um, and I, I think whether it's you hire a camp van or you hire a car or you buy a car, I think if you're going to do New Zealand, you, you've got to do that. I think that these Kiwi experiences are brilliant, but you are yeah. limited by where they go and when they go. Um, yeah. Whereas having the camper van, um, it opens up a whole new world of places that you, that you wouldn't see if you were on one of these mainstream experiences yeah yeah i've done all of it i've done the q experience done the camping van
0: and the car i think yep. we bought our car for a thousand bucks of someone in wellington yeah and the insurance is so cheap over there we pay like yeah, seven dollars yeah. a month for fully yeah and you get third party insurance anyway um as a stock for everyone right with a license so yeah, you yeah. need to yeah. get com fully common comprehensive no, if you don't need to that
1: no, comes with it and i had yeah. a-, 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 a road roadside cover as well yes yeah um i think my, my best one is i I sat in my car, uh, I think, charging my phone pff, about 10, 15 minutes from, from any former civilization. So I thought, well, I'll use my AA. I'll use it up. <laughs> Waited a couple of hours. They they came in and, and um, sorted me out. And um, I needed petrol at the time. Yeah. So I um, drove to the petrol station, obviously turned the ignition off to put the petrol in the car and came back out. But I hadn't driven long enough to charge the battery up. So I had to call the AA out again, um, <laughs> <laughs> about, literally about a matter of minutes later. Um, and, and, it, and it was the same bloke. He hadn't actually got too far. I think he'd stopped to go and get a coffee. And we had a good old laugh and joke about it. He said it's not the first time it's happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can so, imagine. So, uh, so yeah, so that was it was quite funny. And is it true you got a speeding ticket? I'm not quite sure. Um, okay. But- There's a bit of a grey area around this. Um,
0: (laughs) If you don't want to put on record, it's up to you, but I
1: know there's a bit of a story here. There there is a bit of a story. and and If I'm honest, I don't really know what the answer is. Oh, okay. Um, Other than I think I'm relatively safe. Either I got a speeding ticket just before I left New Zealand, or the bloke I sold the car to got a speeding ticket before he'd
0: Uh, transferred
1: the car over. Right, Um, okay. And... Anyway, as been tickets do, if you don't pay it, it, it builds up and it builds up. I think after about six months of being home, I was on the phone to Matt and he said that he'd, um, he'd been around his um, his parents' uh, house and they'd had a letter come through because I was registered at the time mm. and uh, there was a warrant out for my arrest um, <laughs> and, uh, and he wasn't quite sure why. He said it was over yeah. a, a, some form of driving offence uh. which hadn't been paid um And we kind of came to the agreement. It's probably best to stay quiet. Yeah. And and I've got evidence of leaving the country um the day I did. So if it if it was me that got it, then actually I'll just when I next go to New Zealand, I'll show oh yeah, well, sorry, I'll, I'll pay it. I didn't realize I'd done it because I'd actually left the country. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or if it was him, then I've I've still got proof of when I sold the vehicle, so I can then pass it yeah, on to him. And say, look, so look, hang on. So so yeah. So there's there's nothing serious, but there, there was a moment of panic when he said, yeah, there's a letter coming through. There's a warrant out for your arrest. <laughs> And that was a bit of a shock. Um, I, I wonder yeah. if it's still valid. Like, I wonder if it's still going. Well, like I'm, going. I'm not
0: quite sure. I, like, would you be scared going back, do you think, if you got to the border? Um, like, it's going to be a bit of panic. Well, not panic. There's going to be a bit in you that <laughs> thinks, oh, do they know? Like A bit of
1: apprehension, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah most certainly. Because um, you never quite know what what they're going to be like. You know what they're like trying to get into New Zealand? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know if they would be flagged up before it. Before I got there or when I got to the airport. But, um, I'm sure I'm not the first one it's happened to.
0: No, I'm sure they've um, got that on their record plenty of yeah, times.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so
0: if I do go back, I'll, um, I'll find out and I'll let you know. Yeah, yeah, come on the podcast, talk about that. Love yeah, to hear yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. If you're
1: free, you might be in a prison. Yeah, well, yeah, I might not. The, <laughs> the fine might be so big that I can't afford to come. Back. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, your, your travel budget of 10 grand's gone on the fines. Oh, shit. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> yeah, and then also, I met you in Christchurch, right? You need to, before we get to the FA Cup, yeah. Um, so, the, yeah, me and Robert sort of coincided really with travels. We're kind of doing it roughly the same time. And I was on the Q experience and Christchurch was really, if I'm honest, not an integral part of the Q experience. Because we kind of got told, like you said, a bit of a ghost town, a bit of a building site. And if I'm honest, we stayed at the, yeah, the YHA. Um, YHA, sorry. Yep. And we, as a group, I think we had a little walk in the town before we went to the hostel. No one's up for it. Everyone's just staying there for a night and ready to go in the morning to the next place. But I had planned, the only person in the whole bus probably had some planned, and that's going to meet you. And you yeah. picked me up in the car.
1: Yes. And for what I remember, where you were staying was was probably one of the most desolate parts of Christchurch at the time.
0: Oh, was it? Um, it, it felt like it.
1: Yeah. certainly the, the parts where I were, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was lively, but you could see that it was it was on the way back up and they mm. were kind of building Almost like towns were, were emerging and kind of celebrating the fact that it was coming back to normal. Obviously, yeah. the, main, the main CBD of Christchurch had been completely you know, yeah. had ripped apart and all the historic buildings had gone. Um, and it was kind of was still a, a red zone when I was there. Um, and lots of that was, was shut down, and you, you couldn't well, they hadn't even started rebuilding, They was still rubble in the streets in some places, yeah, and the, and the theatre literally the screen had fallen off and you could see into the theatre where kind of the back wall had fallen off, but all the seats were still there and was was very surreal. But kind of around, I suppose, Eastern Christchurch, it may have been, Mm. there were little pop up places where they were becoming kind of mini CBDs and kind of mini hubs. That, that were that were brilliant. There, there's Rickerton and, and Fendleton and, uh, and Merivale. are all kind of small, little, almost like shopping precinct type areas. that All had their own little mini malls and and restaurants and, and yeah. bars and that, that. That were were kind of had their own nightlife as well. Um, whereas from where I picked you up from, I, I, it was all very much still road cones everywhere and very yes. little light. Yeah, and exactly. It was, it was very dark and dingy. And I even when I'm trying to find, out, I, I think I struggled to find you initially. Because it w- was was very ghost townish, and I'm not, yeah. not really surprised that the people you were with kind of walked out and went, "Nah, they ain't yeah. for me." Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. And then if you went into the, into the main town across, actually, it was dead. Absolutely. There, there were little shopping container mouths and that sort of thing, where they tried to be a little bit innovative and, and create mm-hmm. some places and, and the and the pallet cafe and that sort of thing. But but yeah, the actual was town was was, was dead. But that the little pop up towns and how they'd kind of gone about it, got on with life. After the after the earthquake, kind of amazed me a little bit as well. There was at no point did I get the feeling that they were feeling sorry for themselves. Yeah, um, cracked on right. It's thriving it just kind now. Kind of cracked on and yeah, got yeah. with it because we yeah. went back uh, in twenty
0: eight or when we were there second time round on a work visa, what twenty seventeen eighteen, and it was thriving that that sort of um, container city or area where there's all these yeah. different businesses cracking on with coffees and independent shops and stuff like that. It was a much better experience for me the second time round and I was quite glad that happened actually. Obviously yeah. apart from seeing you that was that was great to see you right? well, Of course but, it was yeah. For yeah, me for I mean brief, actually, brief time that we done it.
1: Yeah yeah I think, had, <laughs> I think we had like
0: thing. one drink I think or maybe two. Yeah. Uh, delivered to yeah. USB uh, had a little yeah. catch up and then yeah Went I was back yeah, yeah, yeah you were,
1: you were off the next day.
0: Yeah. Um yeah. but it's great to see you it's it great to see someone I tell you the thing I had is it it's great meeting people new people new experiences all the time right up to that point it's probably been God, it's close to like four months, maybe five months at that point. But it's great to hear just a familiar face from home, and it's yeah. good to share an experience that you've experienced. We can talk about that, like on our drink. It's nothing like trying to start a talk about Norwich and we're like we've done that, and been there, and done that, right? But this is like yeah. new experiences we've both had in the last year or so, where we can sort of like compare notes and have a laugh about
1: it. It's quite cool. Yeah, and then just to like say, I think it's not just the sharing of it, but actually sharing your the enjoyment and the anxiety you've had as well of yeah what you've done so you've both experienced something new at kind of the same time and to just the excitement of letting somebody know who's also been through it and can kind of empathize with what you what you've done um, yeah yeah, yeah exactly again it's brilliant i mean you can talk to people at home or you can bump into somebody and, and tell them but actually if you've done something very similar you kind of it's a very different conversation to have with somebody who you're talking to from home and i think we
0: are maybe one of the few people in our big group who can maybe talk about that, maybe Bambi as well, because he's done it, right, with um, yes. the same sort of thing a few years before that. Yeah. Other than that, I don't think, maybe Osborne to the degree, but yeah, we if we're in other parts of the group, we'd be sort of talking to them about it, not like, like with them, because they've not experienced it. sharing it, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is not a bad thing, it's just not happened. So um, yeah, it's great to see Robbo on, the, on that trip. And all, all the people that the Q experience, like, where are you going? It's like, I don't know, mate, I'm just getting picked up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my mate from home he's tried me to we'll have a few drinks at a bar and they're like is there any bars I'm like well I think there is I mean there was <laughs> there's nothing in downtown but I'm sure there's other places that uh, have something and we did yeah we went yeah. to had a drink can't remember, even remember where we went if I'm honest it was the place you know oh god that Kiwi Crook who nearly died you got Jesse Ryder Jesse Ryder it's near yeah. I think it was that bar he was at I think it was number four Okay, I think it was number four in Merivale I think right. or somewhere very close to there yeah yeah I think yeah. it was um, it was there. Yeah. I remember that. Let's go on to your FA Cup triumph. <laughs> as a, yes. As a group of sporting people who, we love sport, but let's, let's be honest, no one's achieved anything um, sporting-wise. But you did win the FA Cup in New Zealand, the equivalent in Christchurch. W- what team was that and h- how, how was that run? Like, what was that like?
1: Um, it was a team called Kashmir Technical. Yeah. It, okay. it doesn't even sound like a great name. Even saying it now, you think, is that even a football club? Yeah. Um, <laughs> But it, kind of, it is, uh, it, I think that they'd, they'd merged, Wilston Tech had merged with Kashmir a few years before I joined it and, uh, and they were a club that was kind of on the up. And it was all luck rather than actual <laughs> going over there to play football. Um, yeah. The fact that I even ended up playing football, I, I, I never even considered playing when I went over there. Mm. Um, the aim was to go over there and play some cricket. But I actually turned up in the middle of the cricket season and left in the middle of the cricket season, but was actually there for a full football season. So once the cricket season had finished, Dan, the brother of guy I was staying with, said, look, if you've got nothing to do, if you're bored, do you fancy putting your gloves on and coming and have a, having a kick around and, and training, then, then feel free. So I did, I went and had a couple of training sessions, and the next year, I know the, the manager, um, John Brown, who's a, a big Scottish bloke, was like, well, do you fancy playing? I was like, well, well, yeah, I've got nothing else to do. I might miss a couple of games for traveling, but I'm going to be around. Why not? And it it all started getting a bit serious when I had to have an international transfer. Um, Oh, (laughs) yeah. My actual debut was delayed because I had to get international clearance um, to to play football for them. Um, um, It's all a bit surreal. Yeah. I had to be released by my club back home and, and actually allowed by the Norfolk or the English FA and, allowed to play in uh, in New Zealand. And at, at no point did I really take it that seriously. It was just, yeah, yeah I'm going to play football for, for a bit of a laugh. And then we started doing well. At no point did I expect to play, I think, after I, don't know, I sat on the bench for a couple of games. Mm. Um, and then next thing, I'm, I'm playing, and it's like, hang on, I think well, I haven't got any goldie gloves or nothing. Really, I've only got a cheap pair. That's, that's all right. You're sponsored. We'll, we'll give you some what? gloves. And, sponsored? Yeah, wow. Th- yeah. yeah, so I, it's all had all had to be lotto, so whatever gloves I wanted, I I just picked some lot of gloves yeah. out of the catalogue and yeah, they'll do. I love them. Um so I got three or four pairs of them given to me. And then it's like, oh well, I've I've literally got nothing. I haven't even got a pair of football socks or nothing. They'd supplied me with full training kit, but I needed chin pads, I'd borrowed a pair of boots of somebody, so I needed football, I needed all sorts. And they said, There you go. Everyone gets some gift voucher to go and buy it. So I've got a thousand pounds or a thousand dollars worth of Whoa. gift voucher just really? handed to me and said, Right, off you go and, <laughs> and go and spend it. Um, so, yeah, got football boots, shin pads, and and kicked myself out with some expensive skins, long johns, as you do, and just went mm. and bought a couple of pairs of trainers and, and just sorted myself out. And kit Bangs was provided, I think, two tracksuits and some casual gear. And it was all, it all at that point was a bit of, hang on, this is actually a decent standard of football you're playing here. Okay, um, yeah. Uh, and you and you then realise that you are looking around and you've got a couple of guys that have been that have come over from um, Scotland to play and, and a couple of boys that have actually playing for in the national league in the in the summer season, which is their main football. Yeah. Um. And uh, and it was becoming to get a little bit serious. Um. Mm-hmm. And we 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 won all the. The way the the cup runs is it's a, it's a kind of a local format first, then you go into the regionals. Um, yeah. So w- I think we had to play two or three rounds in Canterbury. Um, and then we then played, became the South Island. She then played the, the best of the South Island, and then opens up to, to the North Island. And mm. uh, it was I think it's Dunedin was the was the first one. Or did uh, yeah I think it's Dunedin we went across to, or uh, it might be Nelson the other side. It no, might it's Nelson I think. It's about a five hour journey to get there. So that's right. We'll drive up the day before. We'll stay in a hotel. Um, we'll get we'll have team meal everything provided, and then we'll play football, and we'll we'll come back after the game anything blimey actually okay yep so we've we done all that and again yeah. we won that and um and it was actually going really well and i think it got to the point i think it was the quarter final and actually as it happened the, the day of the quarter final i was actually on a road trip my brother had come over craig had come over from okay. um, from england and would hide out a um a camper van and we were somewhere on the on the West Coast yeah. of the South Island. I was actually playing, I think, in Wellington. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think I, I not remember exactly who played in the Island, but I said, oh, sorry, sorry, Gaffer, I'm not available. My brother's flown over. I can't not get on the road trip with him to play. He said, next year, you know, they're, they're organising flights for me to fly from the West Coast <laughs> in, into Wellington to meet up with the team <laughs> who've flown up from Christchurch yeah, um, to, to to play. And, uh, and then paying to fly me back. I think I think I flew to Queenstown uh, or somewhere else on the west coast for where my brother picked me up. And yeah, we're well, then in the then in the semi final. And did, did, oh, sorry did did Craig go and watch you for the quarterfinal or not? No, no, don't be silly. No, no, he, no, he, no,
0: no. he didn't didn't worry about that. Just uh, no, no, he about, about that. that. He, yeah. he
1: stayed with with uh, with his mate Morgan down on the west coast. Oh yeah, the... with Morgan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, they were hunting lemurs or whatever they are. The, um <laughs> Doing whatever they wanted to do in the outback. I'll leave. I'll leave that up to them. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so we ended up getting to the to the semi final, and I can not played the semi final, but but Olympic, I think. Um, but we we beat them, and then suddenly it was yeah uh, um, in the into the final. I hadn't really quite sunken at this point. Yeah, actually, what it was, and then you start talking to the to the to the older guys in the with the club, and they're like, actually, this is quite a historic moment. Of this is kind of like the the New Zealand FA Cup. This is the the pinnacle of the domestic competition it is and it's the national competition yeah yeah and that tech hadn't won it for 20 30 years so, so yeah it became a bit boring. and then i've got news. i've got somebody from the newspaper ringing me up and i'm doing a um, interview <laughs> over over the phone and it wasn't until i was on the phone i really I hadn't actually conceded a goal in the competition oh anything. have you not oh wow no. so <laughs> we'd actually got to the semi-final and um actually conceded goal in the competition um, so yeah, again, it all became a bit a bit real. Yeah, and probably a little bit disappointingly, the final actually turned out to be in Christchurch because it's the first uh. time a team from South Island had got to the final. They decided they'd reward us by giving us a, a game locally, so we could get our fans there. So that meant uh. we didn't get the big flight to, to do it and, and the overnight stay and all that. But it did mean that we got. I think we had two and a half, three thousand people. Um, down there watching it. What um, stadium was that, or was it just a local? Stadium? Was um, it the big stadium? Not the big, because the big one was actually decommissioned at the time. Um, oh, okay. The, the Crusaders weren't actually down yeah. at the Crusaders. Oh, um, right. Okay. Because ongoing structural concerns. So it was, I think it was called English Park. Um, It's kind of a 3G pitch. And it was kind of the, the training ground for or the, the home ground of um, Canterbury United in the National League. So they kind of, they bought in stands to put all of it. It had a stand down one side, um, but they bought in all of the stands to go around the sides and put a scaffold tower up to video it all on and, and as you do, and yeah, then before you know all, almost we're in the final. And I think we went one nil up early with a with a penalty. Who's the, um, who's the final against? Off the top of my head, I actually cannot remember. But, some, um, but someone like Canterbury United,
0: they would have been in, in the competition,
1: right? No, they weren't. So no, oh, right. the teams weren't. It's a completely okay. different um, competition. So that so, was the, right. the, the National League, the Summer League. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the players who play in it, so it's kind of... The thing with the National League is they get players coming over from Australia and that to yeah. play uh, as well, uh, and they are, they're professionals, um, yeah. whereas we were, we're semi-professionals, um, mm, okay. although felt like we're professionals. Yeah. But yeah, so you get the final, goal I conceded was a bit of a wonder goal. Mm-hmm. Free kick hit straight into the wall, came back to the bloke, he hits on the volley uh, oh. into the top corner. Um, <laughs> and it was, I think his name was Jake Butler, and he'd actually played for New Zealand against Mexico in a World Cup qualifier oh, wow. um, two weeks earlier. Okay, Um, right. So for that to be be the only goal I conceded in competition, I I kind of can't really complain. Although I did get some stick from the TV commentator. Oh, did you? Um, (laughs) Yeah, because the the sun was out and uh, it was accused me of not wearing a cap. Um, uh, that if I'd have worn a cap I would have saved it but then a uh, few seconds later it actually describes it as a as a screamer. So I I, <laughs> I, I, I remember the scream a bit rather than the, the lack of cap. yes. Yeah. Um but yeah then we went on and I think we won three one and my mate was who I'd been living with who'd actually asked me to go and play for them ended up scoring the winner. Um just oh, nice. inside just inside yeah. their half uh, I think we were 2 1 up um, with a few minutes to go. I, I right back pinged it to him over on the, on the left left wing, and he kind of the keep would come up for a corner, was on his run back, and he just oh, right. put it over him from, i say, 40, 50 yards out to, to seal it. So it was a bit of a party atmosphere after that. Yeah, it must um, have been a big celebration, right, surely. Oh, it was, yeah, yeah. Massive, massive celebration. I'd like to say I remember it all, um, <laughs> but but I don't think I really do. Um, yeah, I wouldn't would expect know. you to see. <laughs> no, very unexpected, but probably the highlight of, of the whole. <laughs> 12 what 13 14 months away was actually winning that yeah uh, yeah so, so nice he's achievement back on yeah so i have actually got the i've got the shirt framed and everything now with with the medals um but i haven't quite found where i'm going to put it yet so we're still in uh still from my mum's at the minute in a, yeah. in a spare bedroom uh until i find probably my forever home when i can then put it up and and put it on display for all to see yeah that's a great achievement especially for our
0: group yes um, yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of uh, do you know what? It's gone under the radar, I think. I think we appreciate it, but I think that's, that's a monumental achievement for our skill level uh, in, in the group, in mean, any sport, really. I don't think it got enough traction, I don't think. No, but... Who cares? It's, it's arbitrary, yeah, but...
1: Drawback, um, I mean, it's of yeah,
0: yeah. those things, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and what was the uh, level, do you think, compared to UK?
1: Um, I'd probably say kind of National League sort of level. Um okay. so Just below the conference. Um, yep. I don't want to overplay it. Um, and say, so oh, it was kind of football league, league level. Two. Uh, yeah, league, yeah. league one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, we had we had two and a half, maybe three and a half thousand people at the at the final of a, of a national competition. So I think that kind of yeah. sets its home. Maybe we'd have had more if it was a, a bigger stadium. We did have a capacity, but but yeah, I mean, there are, like I said, there are, there are people who are playing for New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, And exactly. New Zealand aren't no mugs. So again, they're not one of the big regular yeah. qualifiers for any na- uh, big competition, but they are still a national team. Any just yep.
0: final thoughts on New Zealand before we crack on?
1: Anyone's got any thoughts about going there? Go, mm. it's a phenomenal. Place that has got everything from from the beaches, from the weather, from the mountains, the snow, the scenery, the people. It is just an amazing place, and and I would go back in a heartbeat, and and I will do one day. That is for sure. I think it's routinely ranked, isn't it, in
0: the top five or six best places to go um, yeah. for travel, even to live. So I think that tells its uh, own story. Yeah, really. yeah, that says it all. And I I'm the same as well. I do wax lyrical about New Zealand. It's I would go back in a heartbeat if I can live and work. Probably somewhere like Wellington. It definitely felt at the time that is like the place, um, quite close to Australia for me. But they're both equally um, good and known, right?
1: Yeah, so I've never done Australia. Too mm. big. I'd like yeah. uh, the That's fact huge. I like that New Zealand is that I, I kind of within a year I've probably seen 8 percent yeah, yeah. of what I wanted to see. Yeah. Um, the far north, the far south, and probably a little bit of mainland South Island in the middle. But I, other than that, I'm fairly satisfied of, of everything else that I've, I've been and seen, and, and confident that it's done in place. Yeah, and
0: if you're listening, uh, my advice would probably do a queue experience because it's great to meet people and kind of have that sort of fellow traveller type mentality, but also get the work visa do do some work there but also get a camper van like Robo did or a car um, as well like we done the camper van and just go and see New Zealand and have that freedom I think both of those that full year of Q experience bit of work maybe live in a few cities and then do a camper van trip around both islands to be pretty dreamy for a year so if you think about that I would highly recommend it yeah definitely we're gonna do a patron feature So what I'm going to do is imagine you're going away tomorrow. <laughs> Just imagine yeah. that. Um, we've got some questions here. It's like the travel must-haves. What are you packing with you, right? Okay. Yep. Um, it's keen to get an idea of people, you know, what kind of personally they, they'd have to take with them because it's kind of exclusively personally to you, right? So yeah, you've got your Spotify playlist, but you can only have three bands or artists. What are those going to
1: be? Oh, geez. I'm going to go with a bit of The Kooks. Oh, nice. Um, Old school. Yep. Old yeah. school, um, <laughs> Oasis, just for some sing-alongs. And, oh, jeez, uh, I'm not really a massive music fan. I, I normally put it on shuffle and, and let them play. Oh, yeah. I can't think of the third one, if I'm honest. Um,
0: <laughs> wow. so, did you have, like, a playlist when you were travelling about Asia, like, just no, for those, like, bus rides or
1: no or trains? No? No, just, I, I had a, well, I did have one, but it was just kind of such an eclectic mix. Uh, it was an old iPod that I'd had many years ago with mm. very outdated stuff on it and then i just kind of added to it as i went around so there was lots of stuff in new zealand that i just heard and listened so i'd shazam it and put it on and, and would listen to it till i got bored of it and uh, uh george edward george edward yeah, oh, yeah. would, yeah, oh, yeah. would be the new one yeah yeah well. he's decent. Yeah. yeah
0: yeah absolutely yeah. i remember once in bali that i had to get um like a give my ipad away to this local to put some music on it and i was shitting myself about 12 hours while he'd done it overnight. And luckily yeah, he I was uh, brave. Yeah, very brave. And I knocked brave. on the door. His his garage door was down. I was like, oh shit, he's got it. So I sort of banged on the door. And luckily he opened it up and gave it back to me. So nice. success, successfully risked it there. Yeah, good. Okay. What about a film that you might have to stash, stashed away in your device just to maybe tighten a couple of hours over?
1: Any film? <laughs> Linking in with, um, with the New Zealand team, it would be Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Get get the full box set on there um, because there is. I think that's one of those films you can watch over and over and over again and, and get something different from each time. Yeah, um, the main storyline is the same, but you can pick up different bits, and it's it's a massive time waster. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, it's long enough that you can put it on and, and leave it on um, and, and waste a, a day watching it all. Did you go to Hobbiton? Out of interest. I didn't do Hobbiton, no, uh-huh. but I did do a couple of places on um, that were scenes in Lord of the Rings that Uh, were kind of not the touristy places there was one the Pooh Tangeria Pinnacles or something like that where it's basically a dock site so you pay $3 I think it was $3 maybe $5 to set the dock site and it's about an hour's walk down this little track uh, and then you get into this massive valley that opens up into their, these incredible rock features. Mm. Um, and that is where part of Lord of the Rings was filmed. Um, and there was only three of us on the campsite and very few people knew about it. And if people are wondering what DOC means, just a FYI, it's the
0: sites Zone New Zealand, that kind of government run, if you like, and they're kind of yeah. places where you camp out. Um, yeah, I it's the Department the of Conservation.
1: Islands. It's a bit like yeah. half the UK version of the National Trust. And and yeah, basically you, you drive up and they're they're kind of trust, a lot of them are trust places mm-hmm. that there is kind of a metal pillar in the ground with a little slot on the top and you put your put your money in it. That's it. Um, yeah. or, or you get a and in some of them there was you, you kind of got a plastic wallet with a little bit of card, you wrote your car registration and you, you check in and check out and uh, and you put it in and it, it was done on trust in most cases. I think a couple I went to, they did have wardens where you had to put something in your car just to say when you're going and when you're when you're not, and they come in and collected your money. But most of it is, yeah, you turn up. And I think for most of the ones I went to, there was only me or two or three other people uh, on the site. Um, yeah. cause I, I kind of tried to do the cheap and more obscure places and I had the car so I could get there. So it made life a lot easier.
0: Yeah, and you can also obviously book private campsites, but these stock ones are much cheaper and probably much oh, more... Uh, yeah, as you say, obscure, so you, probably, you might see some stuff that you necessarily will to see with a private yeah. campsite. Okay, and what about a TV series? For me, it's Gold Rush. Uh, I'm hooked.
1: I'm okay. hooked on Gold Rush. Not so much. Um, it is basically about gold miners from the Yukon. Um, oh, okay. They, they, dig up the grounds. Yeah, yeah. Up, not yeah. far from you. Yeah. Um, I think uh, they're now on series 12 or 13, yeah. um, and, and I've watched it since series one. It was just something I stumbled across. I used to be on about 11 o'clock on Discovery. <laughs> um and, and i've just kind of been hooked on the journey that, that they've that they've gone on and it just it fascinates me that the size of the machinery and, and the amount of work they put in just to kind of get gold out of the ground for other people to kind of use as a luxury item i suppose mm, yeah um and and uh, the effort that they put in and the, the the millions and millions of pounds they pump into it to make a small fortune at the end of it but then i so say they're making 14 million but they're, they're spending 12 million of it the next year on, on machinery to get more out the following year. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is, yeah, the, the whole industry, but yeah, I'm, I'm hooked on it. What about a book? This could be a classic or one you're reading at the minute. I don't read much, if I'm honest. Are um, you not? No, oh. no, I, I, um, I can probably count the amount of books I've completed on one hand. Oh, right. uh, if, wow. if not two um i'm a massive autobiography oh, reader. Yeah? any any sports person a book i wish i did finish uh i believe it's called the bangkok eight when okay. i was traveling thailand i, I yeah. took bob uh, brian robson's autobiography with me yeah um, and that was one of the books i did finish i was hooked on that as a man united fan and uh, i think it was in the reggae mansion in, in kl i mm. um that they do they do the box the book swap yeah and um so i, I I think I swapped it and put that in and, and took just a random selection. It came out as the Bangkok 8. there's a bit of a, a murder mystery kind of mm. fantasy sort of thing. And I, I kind of got halfway through it, but got a bit confused because I, I was reading bits here and bits there and didn't really sit down long enough to read it to, to process it and kind of found myself reading five pages forward and then going back three or four pages to kind <laughs> of take it in. But I, I would read that. And I think that's, uh, for me, that would be the book that I would probably take with me if okay. I was going to go. So I'd, I'd want to finish it. Great. Okay apart from this podcast any
0: podcast that you download to listen to like one podcast
1: uh no not podcast listener not, not podcaster i'm <laughs> old school I'll, I'll be honest i get in the car and i listen to the radio i, okay. I, I very rarely use spotify or anything uh, i listen to your podcast um but other than that i am as pretty much as old school as it comes uh, i turn the wireless on and i listen to it <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? it's got
0: some sort of charm that is i don't mind that that's good yeah. okay what about one piece of clothing that you've got that you just had to take with you that you might need or you um, can't do without for me, it'd be a buff. Okay. Um,
1: uh Just multi-use for flies, for, for for cold, for hot. It's just it's kind of like my comfort blanket. um yeah. And I've had a couple which I've taken all around the world with me. Quite literally, they they I've been twice and they've been to to New Zealand and, and Thailand and that. And they're just yeah, I think convenience. Yeah, that'd be that'd be my go-to.
0: Okay. What about a snack from the UK that you might take with you? Sort of dug down right in the back of the backpack for those that must need, you know, I don't know, you're, you're hanging or something, you just need it. What is that going to be?
1: It's going to be old school. It's going to be a Mars bar. Oh, nice! Yeah, yeah. And I think underrated. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Taking for granted here in Iceland, we, we went there for a month, having been away for a couple of weeks, and then you suddenly come across a Mars bar in a shop, and you, you end up paying one pound fifty for a Mars bar. They were thirty p at the time in the UK. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. But but you just and, you, and you, that first bite into a Mars bar is, is yeah, it's something that that you need to do. Take a Mars bar with you everywhere.
0: I smashed in a deep five Mars bar every day. Did you? Yeah. yeah, yeah, for the first no. time ever.
1: Done a deep fried mm. cream egg, but never a deep fried Mars. Oh, deep fried cream egg. Oh, yes. That. The local oh. chip he was doing them over Easter. Oh, that's naughty, that. F- fully recommend. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I, I didn't know they existed.
1: Oh, no, they do. Yeah, yeah they yeah.
0: do. Okay. What about a, one must have item, you know, generic item, put in your backpack? A knife. I'm old school. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And last question for this feature. Uh, this might be quite interesting for you. One sporting shirt that you taking with you. Like, What is the must? I don't know if, you, if you're a collective, like football shirts or cricket or whatever, but would you take one specifically?
1: I, I would, and I did take one with me. And it oh. is a Man United shirt that would have been worn by David Beckham. Is that the grey uh, one? No, the red one, no. the old Vodafone. Oh right. One. Okay. Yeah, I think it was the shirt he wore when he scored from the halfway line. But yeah. Classic shirt, three, that. It's about three sizes too big for me. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's the iconic. It's, it's David Beckham's. Um, yeah, iconic yeah say no more for me
0: okay and last question for this feature this is actually the last question one item that reminds you of home that you had in your backpack or have in your
1: backpack cool that's a good question that for me it'd be a mug oh yeah yeah I, again I, I am possibly the biggest tea drinker i know um <laughs> how many cups uh, a day oh there are days when i drink nothing but tea um <laughs> From the minute i wake up in the morning i'll, I'll drink tea and, and i've even i've got a cup i take to school with me that all the kids at school know it's my cup and if it's yeah, anywhere else yeah. but on my desk they return <laughs> it to me it's like it's got its own home in magnet um <laughs> they, they just know it's my cup So yeah it, it would be it would be a cup i'd take a cup with me cool. uh, and i did actually take a, a cup like pretty much the whole way round when i was traveling i had one in my rucksack with me love that it's um, a real life answer yeah big fan yeah. Of that.
0: we're now going to finish on the generic travel questions hey yeah Just a quick one before we carry on with the travel questions. I just want to say there are many ways to support this podcast. You can buy me a coffee and help support the podcast with $5. Or you can go to my merch store with the affiliate link with TeePublic, where there's plenty of merch available to buy, such as t-shirts, jumpers, hoodies, and also some children's clothing. Thirdly, which is free, you can also rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, or Good Pods. Also, you can find me on social media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. Simply just search for Winginit It Travel Podcast, and you'll find me displaying all my social media content for travelling, podcasts, and other stuff. Thank you. It's travel question time. So these are your favourite things that you've seen anywhere abroad, or even at home. Um, there's no, no
1: rules here. So can you tell me your favourite beach that you've been to? It'd have to be Koh Tao. I can't remember the name of the beach. Oh, yeah. Um, But it was the beach I dived on, simply because I've I've seen sunrises there and I've even seen a tornado roll across the horizon. Um, So kind of both aspects of it.
0: Okay. This next question... Is a coffee question, but I'm going to change it to tea because you're such a tea drinker. Okay, yep. So, if you could pick one city in the world to have a cup of tea and watch the world go by, where would that be? I'd
1: say a bit around Shanghai. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I don't know why. I think it's just kind of the hustle and bustle of it. Yeah. Just to be able to sit there with a quiet cup of tea and just people watch the mayhem Yes, unfold around you, I think, would be
0: pretty incredible. Love that. Okay. And this is a, a new question for the podcast. Okay. What's your favourite type of tea? Dark tea. Okay, yep. that's your tea you go-to. Okay.
1: What about a favourite city that you've been to? For me, Barcelona. Yeah. Um, just fascinating place. The culture, the whole Sagrada Familia, the way that's yep. kind of evolved over the time. Just the feel of the place and the, the whole mood of it. Just sitting in on a, one of the shop or the bar terraces having a having a sangria. Love Amazing. that. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. What about a favourite walk or trek that you've done? Oh, blimey, I've been on some good ones. I think for me, the south coast of, um, of the UK. Yeah, I've done a large part of the south coast path with a couple of mates. I've walked to I've done Iceland, I've done Nodonia, done New mm. Zealand, various places. The beauty of the actual UK coast and the differences kind of around every corner, the vastness of it and actually how quiet it is for large periods of that walk uh, were phenomenal. So yeah, south Southwest coast path for me. Love that. Okay.
0: And maybe two favourite countries. New Zealand. And Iceland. Oh, and this might be an easy answer. Favourite party place? Coast Road. <laughs> yeah. I thought that would form in party be one of the two answers. Yeah. 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 Okay. What about a landmark that you've seen that can be uh, man-made or nature? Oh,
1: wow. I think Durdle Door. Again, I, I've been all these places around the world, but it's still it's a UK place. Um, okay. It's an archway on the southwest coast. Yep. That, yeah. The it's classic a classic one, a, isn't it? Yeah, it yeah. it is, is classic. I've slept on the beach there on, on the walk. <laughs> <and, laughs> literally. Put my sleeping bag and bivy bag out and slept on the <laughs> beach and woke up looking at Durdle Door. Love um, that. Yeah. yeah phenomenal. <laughs> okay. What
0: about a favourite cuisine or food internationally? Thai street food. Yeah. Don't, I don't need to think about that one. Okay. If you could live in another country that you've not lived in before so that kind of rules out New Zealand and UK where would you live? Italy. Classy. Yeah. A bit of class Classy there.
1: and needed it's on this podcast, got a bit of class. Yeah it's got a bit of everything. It's got the mountains to do the skiing it's got the, the weather it's got the beaches. Yeah. And it's just a classy place.
0: It's a yeah, classy nation. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And uh, what about a country that's best value for money, do you think, that you've experienced?
1: I'd say Thailand. Mm-hmm. Cheap, but effective if you go to the right places. You can be scammed, but actually if if you do go to to the street vendors and that sort of place, you, yeah. you can your money can go an awfully long way. Um and actually for accommodation you can pay very little for an awful lot. Okay. Yeah, I
0: I totally agree with that. Thailand's up there. Okay, two more questions. Maybe a favourite activity, maybe a high adrenaline activity you've done travelling. Paragliding. Oh, where'd you do that? Uh, Queen's Downhill. Oh, we hiked up there. Paragliding yeah. up there. Oh, that'd be awesome.
1: Yeah. Got my um, list paragliding. It was a very fortunate. One of the guys I played football with was a volley rep. Um, and I, okay. I told him a couple of days before I was going to Queenstown that I was going. He said, well, let me know when you get there. And I'll see if I can sort you something out. And so I sent him a message, not expecting much. And he texted me an hour later saying, be at the bottom of Queenstown Hill tomorrow morning nine o'clock you've got a paraglide <laughs> uh, and dream. that was it I, I literally met some <laughs> random bloke got in the, in the gondola went up to the top he hooked yeah. me into his parachute we ran off the top we got to the bottom he gave me a dvd and said right I'm off oh um, what a dream <laughs> uh, yeah absolute dream so yeah yeah it topped the um bungee jump and the um canyon swing oh you done both of those as well oh yeah, yeah. love that yeah yeah, yeah. not skydive that's what I did uh, in New Zealand. One, I have done one, but not in New Zealand. I've oh, done okay. one in the
0: UK. And I'm actually planning on doing another one later this year for charity. And uh, where's that going to be? In Beckles. Nice. That'd be awesome. It's on my list, yeah. actually. I love skydiving. It's um, not done it for a long while now, but I need to book one in. Just yeah, decide where reckon to do the second
1: it. one is a lot worse than the first one. Opposite way around. First was horrendous. Yeah. Um, second was brilliant. Yeah. Uh, see, I See, I loved my first one. And every I spoke to four or five people that have done it and said that the second one was a lot worse because they know
0: what to expect. Oh, right. For me, very quickly before we wrap up, it was the breathing. I didn't realize you had to like maybe breathe through your nose. Oh, okay. On the first one. Okay. So I was trying to breathe in my mouth. When you're free forwarding at 120 miles an hour, you can't breathe through your mouth. <laughs> no, <laughs> you, you can't. can't. You, no. Feel, you feel like you're, you're kind of suffocating. Uh, yeah. For that 30, 45 seconds free diving, I was hating it. And then it was like, ah, oh, second time around, I just you know, keep my mouth shut, breathe through my nose, and was a dream.
1: And jobs are good. And, yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. One last question to finish on, which I always do. If someone is considering to go traveling right now, but maybe is unsure... Or was scared or was fearful but they really want to do
1: it what advice would you give them to say you know you've got to go and do it why should they go you've just got to back yourself you will learn more about yourself in the time you're away than you ever will before uh, and simply it's got to be done there's you can never tell a story of wanting to go away but you can forever tell the stories of the adventures you've made oh, I love that that might be quotable actually yeah I might have to clip that
0: bit <laughs> 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 that's awesome yeah yeah you're absolutely right with that as well
1: yeah yeah and, uh, yeah, and, and to be yeah. honest this is that's been the one question i've dreaded and it's the one that i hadn't actually come up with an answer for really oh. it's just i couldn't think of anything that worked and then that's just rolled off the tongue <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll stick with that
0: absolutely i'll uh, have to finish it there we can't yeah. go any longer yeah yeah so no. robo thanks for coming on it's an absolute no pleasure thanks for making time no and it's been good it's been an awesome chat like I've le- i've learned some new things here about you and your trip and um, the way you saw traveling so i really appreciate you making time
1: no worries at all thank you so much for having me yep
0: anytime thanks
1: no worries catch you soon ciao
0: thank you for listening to my Winginit it travel podcast episode today you can find me on instagram at james hammond travel or Winginit travel podcast you can search for both i release weekly clips of this podcast episode as well as photos from the last eight to ten years of my travels You can also follow me on TikTok, Facebook and Pinterest by searching Winging It Travel Podcast. I do release daily content to do with travel and the podcast throughout the week. Also check out my website, jameshammond.org. There's content about myself, my travels and there's also a newsletter sign up as well as a contact form. Finally, please rate and review the podcast on Podchaser. This is my platform of choice. Alternatively, you can rate this on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts from. This really helps the podcast gain a bit of traction for the future in terms of guests and content. And I'm glad to see that you guys are listening out there, reviewing it and enjoying the content so far. Stay safe, stay humble, keep listening, keep traveling and I'll catch you soon. Cheers, James.